entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The presidential election season begins in Iowa where the caucuses were held. Yeah, this gives Americans a first look at the pulse of the 2024 race for the White House. And former President Donald Trump has been declared the winner in Iowa. He has maintained a significant lead in the polls. Exit polling found that 7 in 10 Iowans who caucused for Trump said they knew all along that they would support him. It's a big difference from eight years ago. That is when he lost in Iowa to Ted Cruz. While most candidates will fly to New Hampshire, Trump will be flying to New York where a defamation trial against him is set to begin. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody our country to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. His rivals fell far behind. All eyes on the battle for second place. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis coming in second after being neck and neck with former Ambassador Nikki Haley, who finished a close third. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, <laughs> shut up. God. And beyond, I'm begging they you to shut threw up. Everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. After finishing in fourth place, Vivek Ramaswamy announcing he's dropping out and endorsing Trump. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. The freezing temperatures come as hundreds of asylum seekers are evicted from city shelters and wait for placement. At 4 p.m. Monday, 28-year-old Borchevi, a migrant from the Congo, waits outside the East Village Processing Center for asylum seekers. Very cold. (laughs) He was evicted from his homeless shelter after 30 days, per the mayor's new edict. Here, he received a number, his spot in line to be relocated to a new shelter. City Hall says right now single adults wait about five days for placement. Steps away at Tompkins Square Park, asylum seekers wrapped in layers of clothes try to pass the time. The city is required to provide a place to sleep to anyone who is homeless and seeking shelter. At 7 p.m., we found dozens of asylum seekers lined up along 3rd Avenue in the Bronx. Men and women in limbo outside the city's waiting room for migrants who have yet to be relocated to a new shelter. Eric, give me a break. You're suing Texas. They're getting 10 times, 10 times the amount that you're getting. Why should they get that? I mean, and you say you don't have the power to do it, but if Abbott is busting out people and DeSantis busts out people... What stops you from turning these buses around to busing out people? Get them out of here. Yeah, different laws in the state. Um, laws that were put in place long before I became mayor. Uh, you know, those laws restrict me from turning over those who commit serious crimes to ICE. The laws don't allow me to do that. Uh, the law does not allow me to stop the buses. I cannot stand at the foot of the uh, Lincoln or Holland Tunnel and say, no, a bus can't come in. Uh, the state laws. Uh, don't allow me to do that, and I don't have the power of deportation. 
And even what they're doing in Texas, in some cases, it may really deal with a legal issue that are you compelling people to live, um, to leave. Uh, you know, that could be uh, uh, determined to be some form of illegal uh, trafficking. Welcome, Sid Rosenberg, well, well, to the thank Miller you for Report. It's a big deal for me being here, so thank you very much. I am honored to be your first guest of 2024, and I did host the Giants pregame show at legendary WFAN for many, many years. But that job, like many others, ended up with me getting fired. I've been fired more than Imus and Stern combined, but I'm still here. Well, now you're on the number one radio show in the world. John told me that you're in 173 countries. Is this true? It is true. In fact, um, on New Year's Eve, John and Margot came in, and they wanted to wish our big audience a happy New Year. And 173 countries and upwards of 20 million people, Suzanne, heard John and, I swear to God, John and Margo say, Happy New Year. So that's not, that credit doesn't go to me. That credit goes to John, Margo, Chad, Emily, the group that is building this place. Where I would get some credit is amassing a nice size audience. But none of that happens without the best leadership. Like a sports team. You don't get to a Super Bowl without a great owner, a great coach. You have a lot of talent. But you need all that to bring it together. So I think as a team, we're showing pretty tough team. And the children drank lemonade. And the morning lasted all day, all day. And through an open window came, like Sinatra in a younger day. Pushing the town away He said in winter 1963, it felt like the world would freeze with John F. Kennedy and the Beatles. Man, we are experiencing that this morning, aren't we? Dream Academy here as we start the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning at 6.10 a.m. locally here in New York on a snowy Tuesday morning. You did hear the very end of that open, put together once again in brilliant fashion by executive producer extraordinaire Justin Ellick. And the end included my appearance on Suzanne Miller's podcast, she gets big numbers, I mean big numbers, whether it's me or Andrew Cuomo, that louse, or uh, even Bill Douchebag de Blasio. She gets big numbers, and uh, I was on uh, last week, I was the first guest of 2024, 
came out yesterday. She was texting me how well we were doing, so congratulations to Suzanne. We'll get to my friend Donald Trump. You know, folks, you got to admit this. I may not be the brightest bulb on the tree, the smartest guy in the room, but, man, I'm right about a lot of stuff lately. And how many of people smarter than me, smarter than me, kept telling me for months, Sid, slow down, it's early. I said, no, it's over. It's over. I don't want to hear about Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, stupid Chris Christie, any of the fat stupid Chris Christie, any of the Vivek, this moron. I don't hear about any of it. It's over. The American people have had enough. This is no time to bring in somebody who's an amateur. I'm sorry, running South Carolina, Nikki, or running Florida, Ron DeSantis, ain't running 50 states or amateurs. We are in such bad shape right now, both internationally and domestically. We need a guy who's done it, and Trump did it. He was an amazing president for three and a half years until the Chinese screwed us. Bottom line. And once he stepped foot in East Palestine, Ohio, I've been telling you for months, and everybody who comes on, oh, Sid, it's early. Be honest, Noam, Lou, how many people have come on this show and said to me, oh, Sid, it's early? A lot. A lot. And I keep saying, stop, it's early. Now, look, New Hampshire comes up next. That's a joke. We'll get to all this because Democrats vote in New Hampshire, so Nikki Haley may even make it close. I doubt she wins. She may make it close. Then she's going to get hammered in her own state, South Carolina. And that'll be the end of that. So we'll get to Trump. But, you know, I remember um, my thought last Thursday night, Lewis. You'll appreciate this. So Danielle and I came into the city because we're going to have dinner with Dr. Ira and Lizzie Savetsky. Now, they canceled, but we stayed in the city. And we stayed at the same hotel we spent a lot of time out uh, at, I should say, last year when my pipes burst in my house in Rockaway and we were forced to leave for the better part of six months. And that hotel is on 33rd between Park and Lex. Nice Hilton Hotel. You've got the big sports bar downstairs. you got Wolfgang's on the end of the block, the Murray Hill Diner down the block, Villa Barulia, about two blocks away. It was a good place to stay. Is that the one where you almost had the fight with the kid? The fight with the kid. Yeah, somebody, one of the, some kid was rooting for another team or yes. something. And he was, yes, the Eagles. Think. It was yes. the Eagles. Was it real? Ironically, who got their answers kicked last night. Bye-bye, Philly. Just wanted to point That's a reference. good memory, by yeah. the way. Yeah. You know, that was the same night when I almost beat that kid up that I met Kate Beckinsale's daughter. You remember that, yeah, Lily? Isn't that the same night? Same no. bar, same okay. night. Yeah, okay. same thing. So <laughs> okay, I spent Thursday night in the city, and, and I don't know how I slept for six years living in the city. All I heard, I swear to God, were sirens, garbage trucks, people talking outside the window. It was the worst night of sleep I've had in years. Years. And then I um, I came home the next day, and I was so happy to be back in Rockaway. But I got to tell you, last night, I didn't sleep very well either because I started hearing the plowing trucks. And those things are loud. But I had no idea. When I went to bed last night, it was about uh, 8.30. It took him exactly 23 minutes. This is unheard of, unprecedented. 23 minutes they projected Donald Trump as the winner in Iowa last night. 23. 
and the Eagles already down 10 to nothing, and they were going to lose. So I go to bed. There was no snow on the ground. I wake up at 3 o'clock this morning, and there's snow everywhere. I mean everywhere. I'm hearing plowing trucks. My guy Levi actually showed up 15 minutes early because he worried about the commute in, which was a little treacherous. So as it turns out, we haven't had a real snowstorm here in over two years. This is hardly a quote-unquote snowstorm in the city. Maybe Jersey, Long Island got more. I don't know. But it's um, it's a bit of a rough morning, rougher than I thought. So Noam, the great Noam Layden, give me the specifics on a first real wintry day in quite some time. Yeah, you have to go back to February 13th of 2022, the last time we got more than an inch of snow in Central Park, which is amazing in itself. So we did get little more than an inch. I mean, not a whole lot more here in Midtown. If you go up north and west of the city, more like three to five inches, same with uh, northwestern New Jersey, down the Jersey Shore, it was mostly all rain. And uh, the main highways are pretty clear. Some of the side streets you may may have some tough time getting through. And there's still a little more snow coming in. We might get another inch or so before the system moves out this afternoon. And then it gets really cold. Like the low tonight is going to be 20 degrees. And the high on Wednesday is only going to be 27 degrees. So it's really going to feel like winter. Oh, my God. So if there is some precipitation somewhere... That's all going to turn to ice. That's yes. going to be really rough. Yeah, so you'll see those trucks back out there again, salting the streets, my guess, later today. Worried just exactly about that, black ice and the things icing up, all the snow that fell. Oh, my God. So what about in terms of uh, travel? I know that for people that are trying to get here or get out of here, what is that going to look like? Yeah, you know, I was looking at the airports this morning. Not not a lot of problems. I mean, this is, again, most places got like an inch, two inches most. Yeah. That's nothing for the airports. They just plow right through that and keep on going. Like your wife got last night, two inches in Jersey City. <laughs> Shut up, Lou. God, I mean. You could tell Noam thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I lo- Noam loved that. You haven't heard that one before, have you? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, cold temperatures... Anything else on the horizon in terms of more precipitation? Yeah, there's a couple more storms where you can see if you track down the road, but we don't know what they're going to be snow-wise. But for sure now it'll be cold enough. The ground is cold enough. That's why you're seeing snow on the ground. Yeah. Because before the ground was too warm, it just turned right away into wet sidewalks. But this morning you're seeing a little snow on them. Any uh, school closings? Yeah, there a couple school closings. you got to go up mostly to the Hudson Valley to see closings. For everybody else, you're seeing a couple delays here and there. That's about it, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Joe Nolan throughout the morning. He'll give you the latest on traffic. There's already a couple of accidents. He'll also give you the latest on the subways, the ferries, all that stuff. So the snow is um, annoying this morning. Not horrendous, not a 20-inch snowstorm, not a blizzard by any stretch, but at the very least, treacherous and annoying. Let's get back to Trump. So he gets 51%. I get a text from my friend Steve Bannon who was on the show yesterday. Bannon, I talk all the time now. It's hilarious. I get a text from Bannon last night. And, um, well, first I texted him. I said, I'm ready for a big, big night. How about you? He said, yes. He goes, we need 50 or better. You know, to really drive this home, we need 50 or better. And, of course, Trump got 51. What does that mean? Well, 51 means that's the majority, more than half. What that means is the other three candidates DeSantis, Haley, and Vivek combined got less than 50, which they did. So this was an ass-whooping like you've never seen before. I mean, Trump uh, won that back in uh, 2016 when he beat Hillary. 
but not nearly in this fashion. In fact, Trump lost some counties back then. Ted Cruz won a couple of counties back then. Trump won all 99 counties in Iowa last night. Now, again, that's one state. Does it mean it's over? Yes, it's over. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you guys. You know, uh, right now the, the polls are tightening, I guess, for some reason. I don't know why this week between Trump and Biden, and there are still all kinds of rumors swirling that the next Democrat ticket will not be Biden and Harris, but instead Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom. But in terms of the Republican primary, what you saw last night is a clear indication of where we're going in two or three states. It is over. Do you agree or disagree, Noam Layden? It sure seems that way. What do you mean it seems that way? Have some balls like I do and just say, like I've been saying for 11 months, it's over. Well, the caucus sometimes isn't a great indication. There's been other times where people move on to the primary season and it ends up different. But the polls right now have Trump killing, killing uh, Nikki in her own state coming up state three in South Carolina. And you can't say enough about last night. No candidate, no Republican candidate has ever gotten 50 percent in the Iowa caucus ever, ever. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it is smash mouth. I mean, boy, he did a number on all the other candidates in the race. I mean, it was huge. Look how depressed you are this morning. <laughs> you're trying so hard to maintain your profession. When you're great, you're great. You're a pro. You do your thing. But. This is the worst thing that could have happened to you in years. This There was a strategy, and it seems to be working on the part of the Trump campaign. They know some of these trials are coming up later in the primary season. Yeah, yeah. And they said, we have to just hit people over the head as hard as possible early on so the Republican establishment can't come back and say, hey, these trials are going on. You are not our candidate. So they, by March, they want this thing nailed down even earlier to say Trump is their guy. And, and last night is clear indication that it's working. And Noam, these cases, uh, and we knew this was going to happen, all it did was strengthen Trump because every one of these cases, everyone, I'll include Georgia, January 6th, where people like Judge Napolitano and, and uh, Audie Idala told me, watch out, these could be dangerous. They're all nonsense. Every one of them, and the American people know that now. They know it. And they're saying, hey, whether you like this guy, don't like this guy, think he's a good guy, think he's a dick, he is clearly being persecuted, prosecuted. It's unfair. This is not the America I grew up in. And these people are going to now go out and support Trump. So, yes, the Democrats, the liberals, the progressive left thought they were going to destroy Donald Trump. And all these morons did. All they did was make him stronger because it is clear. And we see it now in Colorado and in Maine, trying to keep the president off the ballot. It is clear that all of these moves, legal or not, are, 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 are just there to, to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't win again. And the American people won't be fooled again. Oh, my God, Lewis. The who? I just thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm stunned too. <laughs> but that's the truth, right? No, they're not going to. All these indictments, oh, all yeah. these cases, this nonsense with this E. Jean Carroll. All it's doing is making the monster bigger. The, if you to argue otherwise, it would be just absolutely wrong. Right. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, you need your job. so we're going to talk to uh, donald's daughter-in-law you know i spoke to his son one of his two sons donald trump jr last night and he was on stage there and 
uh, Donald was in the middle. He had Eric on one side and Donald Trump Jr. on the other side. And I said, uh, Junior, can you come on this morning? He said, Sid, to be honest, I'm traveling. I guess he's going back to Florida this morning from Iowa. So Donald Trump Jr. will join us either Thursday or Friday. But Eric's wife, who's amazing on this show, Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, she will join us today. So we'll talk to Lara coming up at 840. How about that, Lewis? You like that? I won't get fooled again. You won't get fooled again. Not this time. I'm watching out of the corner of my eye, MSNBC. Trump scores record win in Iowa. Now, I can't hear the audio, thank God. Thank God. (laughs) But I can't imagine how stupid Joe and Mika and the rest of these people are going to sound this morning. And whatever more they've got on right now, this guy from uh, Iowa, I don't even know who he is. Who is that guy? Iowans look past Trump's legal woes. Hand him an easy win. That's CNN right now. These people don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. But they did bring up the legal law. (laughs) Of course they did. It's running right now at the bottom of the screen on CNN. Sorry, folks. Didn't work for you. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Again, big guest list today, Dove Hyken. Curtis Sliwa, the great mayor, Rudy Giuliani, and Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump. If you're just getting up, it is snowy, it is treacherous. Be careful out there. Stay with us for weather and traffic updates all day long. And Trump wins big. Yes, America. Right here, the who? America won't be fooled again. Crime running rampant in New York. You need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. When you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond. (laughs) 
say, tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. <laughs> yeah, right. The lovely Susanna Hobbs and the Bangles. We made this song, Hazy Shade of Winter. And every time Lewis plays this song, I do love this song. I bring up uh, the movie Less Than Zero because that movie starts with a plane landing and this song, Hazy Shade of Winter, playing. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. And I say this every time, too, but I thought Robert Downey Jr. was so great in that movie. And then, of course, the more we got to know Robert Downey Jr., it was kind of like Howard Stern in private parts. He was playing himself. Yeah, that was not much acting. No. Julian was basically Robert Downey. I'm not sure that he actually, you know, performed oral on men to get his cocaine. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. No, they just happened to have the cameras in the room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did sleep in uh, strangers' beds after doing tar heroin. But, well, he has turned out to be such an amazing guy. And he's been sober a long time, and he's a really wonderful actor. I've heard all this before, Julian. What makes me think this is uh, any different? Uh, what a great you... job out of you. Look at you. I've heard this before, Julian. What uh, is that guy's name again? Slater? James Spader. James Spader. That's right. He was in. What was the name of that TV show they did so well in? Got all fat and bad looking. But Was it, was it uh, the, the Black Ball, uh, Boston Legal? No, 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 no. No, that was Shatner. The oh, black, oh, oh uh, the list. Uh, the the black, black, list. black list. Yeah. So, but in the movie, uh, that's a great impression, Lou. No, you know what a great He was movie. a skinny drug dealer. Yes. You know the, a great movie he's in, though, with Rob Lowe. Oh, that, great movie. Bad influence. Love that movie. That is scary. Rob Lowe actually is the bad influence. Oh, He scary. plays like a geek James Spader, and Rob Lowe makes him into a bad makes guy. Makes him a lunatic. I think he killed somebody in that movie or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. one of his co-workers <laughs> yeah. beat up. It's really yeah. crazy. But that whole cast on Less Than Zero is great. You have Andrew McCarthy when he was a big, you know, back then you had the Brat Pack. And uh, all those folks, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Rob Lowe, the aforementioned Rob Lowe. You had uh, Ali Sheedy, was it? With Jamie Molly Gertz. Ringwald. Jamie Gertz was in that movie, Jamie Gertz right? was in that with, with uh, yes, and uh, she was very cute, Jamie Gertz. So anyway, uh, Hazy Shade of Winter, and the voice before that was the increasingly annoying Nikki Haley, <laughs> who has been a backstabbing son of a bitch for, for a while now, when she walked out on Trump in the uh, out of the White House, and yet some of you folks out there, you love her. I can't tell you how many arguments I've had with people who love her. You couldn't be dumber. What do you love about her? What is What does she stand for? Well, she's very good on abortion. What does that mean, she's good on abortion? She stands for nothing. You know, she was asked in Iowa, is a man a man and a woman a woman? She wouldn't even answer it. I was watching uh, Byron Donalds, very uh, sharp congressman out of Florida, and he was talking about this with Jesse Waters last night. She wouldn't even answer it. Half the time, I can't tell if she's a Democrat or a Republican. Who wants her? 
guys, the lines are drawn, okay? We don't want people who are wishy-washy. We want MAGA, yes. Sorry. There's nothing crazy about it. There's nothing over the top about it. That's what we want. None of this wishy-washy Nikki Haley nonsense. So she um she says it's going to be a two-man race, which, of course, it's never going to be because she's a woman. Idiot. But I get her point. She's right. Vivek already dropped out last night. DeSantis should really drop out today. And then she'll stick around, as we've talked about a million times, through South Carolina, state number three. She'll get pummeled in her own state, and then she'll be gone. Thank God. Oh, God. I mean, man. And no one loves her. What is it about this woman, Noam, that you love? I, you know, I, I, I can't even describe how much I love her. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's like almost stalking? It, it, it's verging. You know, it's almost there. It's almost <laughs> yeah. on the verge of that. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Can you see actually, it, for stalking? <laughs> yeah. We included her name in the discussion for Trump's VP, you know. But every woman we do that with. Good morning, Chad Lopez. How are you? Chad Lopez. My man. So we had Elise Stefanik in there, Carrie Lake in there, Nancy Mace in there, morning, even Chad. Nikki Haley. The man looks good, Chad. He does. So Carrie Lake was in Iowa know. yesterday talking about Trump's VP pick. And uh, our dear friend from Senate, uh, from Arizona, now running for Senate. We love her, Carrie Lake. Here's what she had to, uh, to say about the potential Donald Trump VP pick, Lewis, cut number six. President Trump will pick a vice president who will make us all proud. And I don't care who he picks. There's so many great fighters in the MAGA movement. Whomever he chooses, I will show up bright and early on Election Day and vote for that ticket. Like, my life depends on it. Like my life depends upon it. All right, we got Dove Hikind, Curtis Sliwa, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Lara Trump, President Trump's daughter-in-law, all stopping by today. And don't forget, I'm here till 9 a.m. today. I'm leaving an hour early. Today is the funeral for my dear friend, New York's dear friend. This will be a packed house at St. Patrick's Cathedral later on this morning for Joe Esposito. So I'm going to make that uh, five-block walk over to the world's most beautiful cathedral and um, wish my friend Joe Esposito well. That's coming up at 9.30, so I'm going to leave here at 9. So you get me until 9, then you get Curtis Sliwa from 9 to 10, then Brian Kilmeade from 10 to noon, and then more of Curtis Sliwa coming up at noon. Joe Nolan's got the latest traffic, subways, ferries with all the snow. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is my man John Katzmatidis and Dorita Cosby. We had Eric Adams on yesterday. So did they. Here is Mayor Eric Adams with John and Rita from yesterday afternoon. Isn't there a way you could just turn away those buses? I mean, this uh, sanctuary city uh, stuff, there is no real lure against it, is there? People have mixed up the term sanctuary cities and asylum seekers. These people are not illegal. We parole them into the country. Uh, well, now, we realize that, but if you put your foot down, I think the, the people of the city of New York will back you. I, I, and I agree 100% because I hear from New Yorkers all the time. But here's what will happen. Legal aid and others will sue us, and we will be sanctioned by the court that can turn out 
to pay millions of dollars a day. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We don't actually know uh, what happened. We have no confirmed information of anything. Of course, the Red Cross has been useless throughout this whole period of time. Um, So... All we know is, is from, you know, what everybody's seen in the video. And uh, we know from testimonials and from, from uh, the um, investigations that were made on this, uh, about the 7th of October uh, and uh, that were published. We know what Hamas did and what is capable of. And I know that she's being held by Hamas. So we're just filled with fear and and um, and worry. In a way it's it's been the same day for me. It's October seventh every day because I wake up to the same uh, the same horror, uh, same unbearable situation. There are young women there teens, my daughter is a teenager they are at most risk for anything for any form of violence for you know including sexual violence you know as a mother as a physician as it's, it's very clear that they shouldn't be out today, they should have been out three months ago now Ma, if you hear me if you see me Just hang in there. We're doing everything we can to bring you back. You will come back, you will return, and everything will be okay. Just hang in there. We love you. I love you so much.
That is uh, some gut-wrenching stuff. You can watch that video on Lizzie Savetsky's page. That's Ayelet Levy Shachar. She's the mother of 19-year-old Nama Levy. And if you remember the video from that day, she was the, uh, the really, not that it matters, but the very pretty girl that they were loading into a truck, and she had stains um, on her pants by her behind. And um, she has never been seen from or heard from again. And this is why I'm going to Israel. And we will get the official word today from my friend Yehuda Hanikman that the trip is done. This is why I'm going, because it's not okay. You know, and if you're Jewish or Christian or just a human, it ain't over. It didn't end October the 7th. It's still going on. There are still many young girls in captive. And now the last, uh, and men, by the way, including Hirsch Goldberg, in the last couple of days we've seen these Hamas videos, these monsters, just uh, recently, they sent back a video of three people in the video, Noah, young lady, and two men. And then they sent another video yesterday where the two men were dead in the video, dead bodies in the video. This is why I'm going to Israel. And this is why even with my good friend Donald Trump winning big in Iowa last night and the mayor coming on yesterday in New York City, this is why Israel and what's going on there remains the biggest story in the world, in the world. Because the atrocities are still happening. My next guest spent the better part of four decades as one of the great assemblymen in New York history there in Borough Park. He has lately switched from Democrat to Republican. I'm trying to convince his lovely wife, Shani, to uh, love Trump like I do. I think she will. Either way, he has gone back and forth to Israel, has his own charity many, 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 many times. And I love him dearly. It's my friend Dove Hyken. Dove, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning, uh, Sid. Uh, you know, listening uh, to what you just played, uh, you know, this is just imagine uh, you have mothers and fathers, children whose uh, family members are being held by these monsters, by these barbaric, uh, cruel, uh, inhuman monsters. And what it's like for them every single moment, you know, we talk about it and we care and we got to do whatever we can and we're trying to do our best. But for the family members who are missing their their daughters and, and we know what happened on October 7th, it took a while for it to come out. Uh, you know, it's, it's the inhuman behavior, just human beings do not behave in that fashion. Human beings do not kidnap babies Young people, grandmothers and grandfathers, kidnap them, hold them as hostages. Uh, it, you know, it's just uh, heartbreaking, and we just got to hang in and do our part and do our best and, and show support for Israel. It's that simple. You, you know, you can't just, you know, show support on October 8th, October 9th, and then, you know, you, you know get weak. Uh, you know, I mean, we have a situation now. You have Bernie Sanders introducing a resolution today, today in the United States Senate, to tie Israel's hands. Israel needs to destroy this monster for the benefit of the people of Israel, for the benefit of the Palestinians, for the benefit of humanity. And when the enemy hides behind the civilian population, Sid, we've watched this for weeks and months now. 
you know, you don't, we're not talking about army fighting army. We're talking about an army fighting uh, people who dress in civilian clothing, who, you know, who put their missiles in hospitals, in schools, in mosques, in, in residential areas. And, and my question is, how would, you, how would America or any other country in the world fight something like Hamas. There's only one way to do it, and it's the way that Israel is doing it. And yes, nobody celebrates uh, people in Gaza, you know, innocent people uh, who uh, are, are victims. But why all these demonstrations, Sid, every single day demonstrations, not one of them addresses itself to Hamas. Mm-hmm saying you guys are the animals, you guys are responsible. If these leftist progressives would direct their anger in the proper direction towards the monsters, maybe that would have an effect instead of talking about a ceasefire. Sid, ceasefire means that Hamas wins. Right. They celebrate. Yeah. It's that simple. We all get it. We all understand it, except for Bernie Sanders. Well, not just Bernie Sanders. There's thousands of people in New York and millions around the world. And again, when people ask me, why are you going to Israel in two weeks? And it should become official today. Four shows starting Monday, January the 29th, right through Thursday, February the 1st, sitting friends in the morning live from Jerusalem. Uh, this is why, because... We need to be there, as you've done many, many times before and after October the 7th, to show our solidarity, show our support, show our love, because it's not just Bernie Sanders. We have thousands and thousands of pro-Palestinians that, uh, that, that cause havoc in this city almost every day, blocking bridges, blocking tunnels, scaring young kids at universities like New York University. We've got uh, presidents at all these fancy colleges, two of which got fired, but not really because they're still collecting upwards of $2 million. You've got countries all over the world that are now supporting Hamas and sympathizing with the Palestinians and not the Israelis. So unfortunately, Netanyahu's the bad guy. Biden's the good guy. Biden's on both teams. Biden has actually been playing this from both teams, funding Iran and at the same time telling folks he loves Israel. So Israel is basically not just fighting Hamas. They're fighting the world. Yeah. You know, with friends uh, like Biden... You end up being in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's I mean, right. We see. We see uh, how... by, by the way, that's why my friend Trump did so well in Iowa last night. Because it's not just Republicans anymore. It's some Democrats. It's independents. They know what Trump did for Israel. They've seen enough. They're not going to be fooled again. They know Biden is full of it. There's nobody on that side of the aisle. That that whole Democrat party is riddled with a bunch of Jew haters, Congress folks, senators. That's why Trump is doing so well, though, because people are starting to wake up to the truth in this country. Well, Sid, I totally agree with you. I mean, the Democratic Party has fallen off the cliff. And people out there, you know, who, you know, they're Democrats and they vote Democrat automatically, especially in the Jewish community, that needs to stop. We need to send a message to the Democratic Party that, you know, we're not happy with what is going on in your party. I mean, you have... Biden, instead of, you know, doing the right thing. And, you know, when you're a friend, you know, you're not a friend Monday and not a friend Tuesday and Wednesday. You see how you feel. You're not sure what Biden is doing is just 
just undermines the well-being of the, the, the only democratic state in the Middle East, the only democracy in the Middle East. And Biden, you know, because of political, because of the politics, that's why he's weak, because he's afraid of the progressive within his, within his own party. And we're talking about the survival of Israel. This is serious business. You know, this is not a ball game. You know, what side are you on? Who do you want to win? This is about the people of Israel. We saw what happened yesterday in Renana. I know that city. I spend time in that city in Renana. And, you know, people, you know, kids coming home from school. And you have Hamas supporters, uh, uh, terrorists driving their cars into children. And Hamas applauds this. This is wonderful. Murdering Jews is what it is all about. What else? What do these uh, – I want to watch my words. <laughs> yeah, what are these yeah, Americans yeah, – yeah. what, what, what don't they get about it? They get what's it. What's going on in they, the they North? They get with, it. They don't care. No, they get it. They don't care. Listen, you talk about this. We're not on a team, right? We're not on a team. Okay. Uh, the great sport now in the United States is not football. It's not basketball. It's not baseball. The new sport in the United States – is a game called hate. And whether it's marching up and down the streets to support a guy like George Floyd, we know George Floyd was murdered. We get that. And by the way, so does the legal system, because that cop in Minnesota will be in jail basically the rest of his life. Doesn't matter. There are still plenty of folks who went out there in the summer of 2020, and they did real insurrections, burned down police departments, beat up cops, beat up civilians. They love to hate. Some of those people are the same exact people, mind you, that are marching in the streets of New York. And then you've got all this big money behind these people, Dove. People like George Soros, these losers and low lives of the Islam Foundation. So just understand, I know you do, but just understand, the new game in America is hate. They hate Israel. They hate the Jews. They don't really have any reason. They can't even figure out why. They just know, I need a cause. Here's my cause. This week, let's go. Yeah, Sid, nothing has changed. You know, it used to be, you know, I, I love Jews. My best friends are Jews. I'm just, a, an, I'm just against the Zionists. But the, it has all changed since October 7th. I mean, when they are in the streets supporting Hamas, I mean, Nothing more needs to be said, and people need to get it. And the only way to make a difference, and I feel very strongly about this, Democrats need to lose, period, on a local level, on a national level. There needs to be a powerful message. Look, the polls indicate that Republicans, and I'm talking about individuals all over the country, Republicans, people registered Republicans, they support Israel to the tune of 90 percent. And Democrats, it's just the opposite. So there's only one way to send a message that the only thing the other side will understand is losing. And I mean, on every level, whether it's city council, whether it's state Senate assembly in New York, local races all over the country, an opportunity to send a powerful message that Jew hatred, that undermining the well-being of our ally, the only democracy, the only country that respects people, whatever your 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 who whatever you are as an individual, is is Israel. I mean, you know, the people demonstrating in New York. Do you think they'd like to live in Syria? Do you think they'd like to live in Iran? 
Do you think they would have a wonderful life in any of these countries? How about Yemen? Can we send some of these people to Yemen? (laughs) Can they go there for a week to any of these places? We'll see if they ever return. But they don't get it. They just don't get it. Let's undermine the people of Israel who on October 7th went through a literally a mini Holocaust. We know what the animals did to human beings. We know. We know the details now. What they did to children. What they did to women. It's so inhuman. And they don't get it. They don't get it. It is. It is unbelievable. It really is. And, um, well, it just uh, it makes us stronger as a people, Jewish people, Israel, and Christians. I've got so many friends who are Christians that uh, follow this story continuously. They continue to put uh, some of these stories on their Instagram stories, even the latest Hamas videos, which uh, they continue to send out with just uh, rips at the heart of some of these families. And But these people just don't care, Dove, and that's why this is a battle that's going to last a long time. And I know this, Dove Hyken, as you wrap this great conversation up, if there's a man that is ready to fight, it's you. Look, Sid, it's us and so many other people. You are so right. I want to make this clear. It's not Sid and Dove. People out there, Jews and non-Jews alike, all over this country, the majority, the overwhelming majority understand and get it, and God bless them. I mean, you know, this video that came out, the young woman that we all saw on the back of, a, a, you know, one of these motorcycles being dragged away into Gaza, her mother, her mother is dying of stage four brain cancer. She has begged and pleaded for her daughter to be released so she can see her before she passes away. What kind of, what kind of, these are not people we're dealing with, for God's sake. It's just an absolute horror. I want everyone to imagine that those hostages, that little baby that's still being held, the young women, that it's your daughter, it's your mother. Oh, true. Uh, Heartbreaking. And uh, I know that um, when you went back to Israel for the first time, after the atrocities, you started to cry on the phone, and I'm getting that same emotional dove hiking this morning, which is um, which is tough to listen to, but but, uh, it's, but important. It's, it's real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, you, you're going to be there, going through those homes as I did. I mean, I'm still affected. I'm not the same person. You can't be the same person. When you see what they did, when they describe to you as you go through home after home in Gaza or Be'eri. Okay, and they tell you what happened to young women and to mothers and fathers and to children, and they show you the house where children were burned alive. You will never be the same person again. I'm sure that's going to be the case. But um, with that said, I just uh, like you have been, I'm compelled to be there uh, for the Israelis, for our people, for America, too. And uh, we're going to make that trip. Sid, I just want to say you are a leader. That's what you are. Uh, you're not a follower. You are a leader. You have been courageous. You have, I, I am, I, I got to tell you, Sid, I love you I love for who you, you are because you show us your heart and your soul all the time. You are the real deal, Sid, the real deal. 
Well, coming from you, that means that means the world to me, Dove, because I feel the same about you. Thank you for calling you, in sir. this morning, and um, we'll talk a bunch uh, before we go. And, you know, two weeks from today, we'll be live uh, for those four days, so we'll talk uh, then, too. And uh, just keep the faith, and, and we love you very no, much. No, no, we, we're, we're strong. We're not going anywhere, and we will win big time. There it is. We will win big time. Perfect way to end that conversation. My dear friend Dove Hyken, big 7 o'clock hour about to come your way. Curtis Sliwa and Rudy Giuliani. But first, on the way out, a little more Elton John. in the morning 77 wabc joe biden screwed you he screwed this city why are you so quick to support him in the next election don't support trump that's fine but biden he's the guy that caused all this well i I think that if you look um at some of the court decisions that were lifted you know that were put in place around covid of, you know, the Band-Aid, I would like to say, you know, we put we placed a Band-Aid on immigration reform under the uh, Trump years. He was able to limit access uh, to the country uh, because of COVID. And that was a Band-Aid. We need real immigration reform. And well, wait, wait, wait. In all, hold on. In all fairness, COVID came the last six months, Eric, of Trump's presidency for three and a half years because of his uh, remain in Mexico policy and, quite frankly, being a tough guy. Unlike Biden, it wasn't COVID. That came the last six months of a four-year presidency. He had three different – he did have the COVID thing in place. You're right, Title 42. But Remain in Mexico kept these people out of here. That had nothing to do with COVID. And, and we, need to, we need to look at, you know, those forms of how do you remain in place. And there, was a, there were examples of that even under this administration. But, see, what I'm, what I'm saying is that those were Band-Aids. People were sneaking in across the border at different uh, places. Uh, You know, we can't have a Band-Aid approach. Congress and the White House must come up with real immigration reform to address this issue.
Mayor Eric Adams on this show yesterday. Before I get to Curtis's response, I can't wait for this. My phone blew up after the Dove hiking conversation. Folks are telling me, if you need a hug, I'm here, and I love you. And, and look, it's not about me. I mean... You know, we, um, we're about to make this announcement sometime this morning. It's becoming official that we are going to Israel. We need to be there. I need to be there. I need to be there. I felt that way since October the 7th. And it's a big deal for this radio show and this station. And Dove Hyken's been there three or four times, but like Dove said, I'm not, I'm not Nama Levy's dad, you know. Same age. Nama Levy's 19, my daughter Ava is 19, same age. So, can I say I understand? No, not really. No. So, the love and support out there is great. I guess we were just saying we need more of it. But let's get back to uh, the mayor and what's going on in this city. Curtis Saliwa, who uh, claims he's the mayor, and uh, who could argue that? Uh, Gretz, great ratings. Uh, weekdays, the Rip and Weed, that starts at noon. He'll be filling in for me at 9 o'clock this morning when I go to Joe Esposito's funeral. Also does a great job hosting overnights on the weekends, and he's here with me every weekday morning. He's part of the show. You heard Eric Adams yesterday. That was just one cut of many. <laughs> your thoughts on your friend the mayor? My God, he's lost his balls, his <laughs> testicles. What? What? I never heard a guy between listening to him with you, Sid, and then figuring maybe he could recover by the time he appeared with John Katsimatidis and Rita at the 5 o'clock round table. Just catch, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. He doesn't work with ICE. He doesn't work with a federal enforcement agency. That is the law of the land. He has chosen to order the police, the courts, the corrections department, not to work with ICE, Immigration and Naturalization Service, that was formed after 9-11 to protect us from a terrorist attack. I I mean, I never heard a guy, uh, I, can't, I can't, I can't. Well, what the hell are you mayor for? What the hell are you mayor for? And he went on and on. And then this game, it's like three-card Monty. We're not going to have enough money for cops. Oh, I found the money under the Castro convertible. He gives. Oh, hold on a second. Maybe you're not giving uh, the mayor enough credit. Maybe he didn't just find the money under a couch. What? What if he actually did some math because he does care about police and fire and found a way to fund those people by good accounting? Did he use his own personal accountant to <laughs> hasn't been able to file his IRS tax forms three times now? Who lives in a shelter and is emotionally disturbed? Are we using him as the finance director for the city of New York? Please, he was trying to shake money from Biden. That's all that was, and it failed. It failed. He's like the guy. I got to get attention and recognition from my Papa Chulo, Joe Biden. Let me ask you this: Let's say you were mayor. Yes. And a lot of us who even like Eric, like me, wish you were. Yes. Let's say you were mayor. Yes. And forget about the, uh, the, the the migrants, the illegals. There was a situation, or there may be a situation in the future when you win, where you need money from the president, not the national government, not the federal government, the president. And um, Joe Biden is the president. This is all a horrible hypothetical, oh, by God. the way. I know. 
Because if you go to Trump, even if Donald Trump is president, he hates you too. By the way, uh, <laughs> he hates will you, Joe Trump. Biden be having his trout Roman Dean at that time <laughs> when I go in with the, with all the you know all the That's uh, funny. Uh, like my grandma and in, uh, almonds sticking out of his yeah. <laughs> teeth. Either way, both those guys hate you, yes, Biden and Trump. Exactly. But you need money. How would you approach it? What would you when you walked into the White House? How would you handle that? What do you think? I would uh, buck, bow, genuflect. Are you kidding? What would you do? Yell at Trump? No. He's I mean, you know, of course you don't yell at the president. Right, right. But you have to exude strength. It's just like in the streets or the suites. If you come in there with a little tink of, uh, uh, they know they can pimp slap you around. Look, it's not just Biden. Well, has Schumer done anything for the uh, city in terms of the migrants? Nothing. He's done nothing for the city or Israel. Uh, Gillibrand? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, nothing. So the point is, they they look at Eric and they see him always crying like the little boy who cried wolf, cries wolf. They don't pay attention to him anymore because they know he's lying. He had the money and he put the city in fear. And then all of a sudden he dropped to 28% in the polls and team, he always said, my team, team Adam said, whoa, that strategy backfired on you. Now all of a sudden he found the money under the Castro convertible. Oh, we're going to hire more cops. We're going to keep the firefighters. Nobody believes this guy anymore. Nobody. And then all of a sudden you demean him properly. Uh, Al Slim Shady Sharpton, he goes up there to the National Action Hate Network. He gives a speech, and then here comes uh, Sharpton defending him and you for your your sartorial splendid uh, accoutrements, <laughs> yeah. your suits. And he goes, it's racist that they're attacking Eric Adams <laughs> on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It's racist, racist. Fanny down in Atlanta, it's racist, racist. What the hell? They're in, they're in charge. They're leaders. Eric Adams is the mayor. He's African-American when he looks in the mirror. Fannie Willis, she's the DA of Fulton County. Look at the mirror. Not white people, black people. And yet they claim when they've had a bad time or they've made the wrong decision. It's racist. It's racist. Stop the nonsense. We want to know where you get some money for the suits. The Turkish guy came out in the article in the New York Times and said he gives them free suits, customized suits, and he indicated how much it costs. But you said, all of a sudden, you were like, oh, the next time I see you, you're like metrosexuals, like peacocks. It's not like you're homosexuals, but you admire one another's attire. Yes, we do. In fact, we were together at an event in Manhattan last Wednesday night, me and the mayor, for Jen Rajkumar. Oh, the woman in red. You know, yes. Dillinger had the woman in red. You know what happened there. And uh, he looked very, very good. And today we are going to be in the same place, not a fun place, St. Patrick's Cathedral, to your friend and mine, Joe Esposito's funeral. And I'm sure that Eric will be dressed beautifully. Yeah. What's, what wrong, about, what's wrong with, with being the mayor and looking good? What's wrong with that? Yeah, the last one, who, the last two who looked good were Jimmy Walker. They had to ship him out before he got arrested. And David Dinkins, need I say anything more, okay? <laughs> yeah. If he would spend more time managing the city than looking to, oh, no, I want the sleeves this way. I want French cuffs. Blah, 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 blah. He spends half his time designing his own clothes. I can tell you this. Joseph Abu just texted me talking about fine fashion. He's the greatest men's designer ever. And he said, Curtis is spot on. So they cut up one or two pieces yes. from the interview with Eric Adams yesterday. And they, they do a very good job here, social media, you know, Stephanie and Gina and Doug and the whole crew. And they put it on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, any one of those. So they put up uh, two cuts. One, that one I just played, where I said, how can you support Joe Biden? And the other one was, why wouldn't you just send the buses back? Just send them back. 
And all the comments about, well, let me say, 95% of the comments on my Instagram page, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg, 95% were so nasty yes. to Eric Adams. Exactly. Claim he doesn't answer any questions. He He's got the same two or three go-to lines every time. <laughs> I would have thought you actually did all the commenting yourself. Uh, <laughs> let me make uh, this point. I come up with plans. As you know, the migrants are stuck there at Floyd Bennett Field. They don't want to be there. It's a floodplain. Uh, they don't want to be raising kids in a tent. Well, what do they do next? Because uh, he told me yesterday, Eric, that they went to Madison High School, where my mom went, for only about six hours. Ridiculous. I have the answer. Don't I always have the answer? You always have the answer. So I am suggesting that we put them on the buses and we take them up to the beautiful armory in Park Slope on 8th Avenue and 15th Street. Who's there now? Uh, well, in that vicinity, there is Bill de Blasio, who lives right down the block. There's Brad Lander. There's all the progressive socialists live in Park Slope. They don't have any migrant centers. You have this beautiful, I mean, state-of-the-art facility that would keep them nice and warm and toasty, the armory. You know what they have there now? A YMCA. So I'm suggesting those bourgeois progressives give up their swimming laps in a pool or playing basketball or volleyball. They love the migrants so much. Why not take the migrants from Floyd Bennett Field? Sid, it's one of the few times that the left and the right agrees. Look, even the Coalition for the Homeless, even Legal Aid has joined me and said, we got to bring those people out of Floyd Bennett Field. It's just you can't have mothers and children in a tent in the middle of a floodplain. And what do you think it's going to be like today with the snow? And it may even get worse. Sid, I want you to join me in solidarity. If the liberals, progressives, and socialists want migrants, and they even want to bring them in from Gaza, let them start there with the armory right in the middle of their neighborhood, the middle of socialist Brooklyn Park Slope. Do your fair share. Bring together Comrade Bill de Blasio, by the way, who fought. Joe Esposito, he better not be in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Oh, he's going to be there. You should beat the hell out of that guy. I will. And he not only fired Joe Esposito, he disparaged him along the way. He humiliated him, right? And and a day where it wasn't uh, Joe Esposito's fault. So you want to send them to the Omri and Park Slope. What about... um, what about, like, Hallandale or Hollywood down in Florida? <laughs> no, no, no. Remember, DeSantis won't take him. I know, but see, but if Eric Adams, and again, I like Eric. I always have to preface it by saying that. No, you like his clothes. Come on. You, you, you look at his clothes and you yeah. mesmerize. Well, he does dress a little better than you, although I will tell you. How does he smell? Do you like his cologne? Do you like his uh, sweet water that he puts on? Because I know that you go cheek to cheek with him sometimes. You get a little bit of the whiff of the cologne. That's where I draw the line. It ain't old spice. It smells. ain't high karate. I'm yeah. telling you that. He smells delicious. Um, if Eric did to them. Yes. What they did to him, mm-hmm. right? If he actually, and I love Florida, right? I mean, my, my life is basically, was built in Boca. If he actually sent busloads of these people down to Hallandale or Hollywood or Delray Beach, he'd be a hero, right? But he keeps claiming that's breaking the law. Wait a second. Didn't he try to send them to Rockland County? Didn't he send them up to Erie County? But that's the same state. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The point is, didn't he send them to Canada? Remember, I exposed it right here, where he was sending them up to Plattsburgh and encouraging them to walk over to Quebec and give themselves up to Canadian authorities because Twinkle Toast Trudeau would give them everything in Montreal and Toronto? I you remember, remember that. I brought yes. that story right here. Yes. So, so is it, so answer this, Curtis Lewa. The, of course, the creator of the Guardian Angels, the icon, the legend, and a brilliant radio voice. 
Answer this for me. Yes. Is it illegal or not? He claims it is illegal and he's not going to break the law. Is it illegal or not to bust these people out of here? No, it is not illegal. Son of a gun. No. Grow a set, Eric Adams. Grow a set. And let's say they arrested you. They sent federal marshals to arrest him. He would be a hero a in our hero. town. I totally agree. It would like be Donald like, Trump. You would, can't arrest Donald Trump enough. Right. It would be like when Martin Luther King Jr. got arrested and he wrote the letter from the Birmingham jail. Eric Adams could write the letter right from the federal detention facility in Sunset Park. You fake, phony, fraudulent Fugazi. And you, Justin Ellick, I told you, and you, I told you, Sid Rosenberg, you said at the start of this program, I'm right about a lot of stuff. You are. But you couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong about the Eagles last night with the Buccaneers. I told you it was the curse of George Norcross. The only way to get it off is not to fire the coach, is to go out and sell Israel bonds for their war effort. Hey, Lurie, you've got plenty of money. Buy Israel bonds. All the Eagles should set out to all their fans, make them buy Israel bonds, and you set the example, Justin Ellick. Next week's paycheck goes to buy Israel bonds to support the war effort against Hezbollah, the Houthis, Hamas. And eventually to take out the nuclear supply that the Ayatollahs want to use against Israel in Iran. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Donald Trump, he kicked some major ass in Iowa last night. I was talking to Steve Bannon at 4 o'clock in the morning. 51% went to Trump. Just a complete blowout. Don't forget, folks, I'm only here until 9 o'clock this morning. Leaving an hour early to go to my friend Joe Esposito. Heartbreaking his funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. But I got uh, two great guests coming your way. America's mayor, my dear friend, Rudy Giuliani. He's coming up momentarily. And then the president's daughter-in-law, my dear friend, Lara Trump. Her husband, Eric, was there last night. Lara Trump will join me coming up at 840. So let me get a, a quick look at traffic. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
751 on your kind of gross, snowy, rainy, going to be very, very cold tomorrow, January morning. Oh, you know who died yesterday? Norm Sneed. And my next guest, Rudy, remembers him. He was the giant quarterback who the Giants actually traded to the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for Fran Tarkenton. Norm Sneed died at the age of 84 yesterday. Rudy Giuliani is the greatest mayor, not just in New York history, but any city Across any state in our rich country's history, no one's ever been better than Rudy. He's also an amazing radio host at this station, 3 p.m. every weekday. And much like our friend Donald Trump and others, he is being persecuted and prosecuted every day for a bunch of nonsense. Rudy Giuliani, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I mean, a little. De- really the, the weather's depressing today, and we're both going to Joe Esposito's funeral. That's depressing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It was after a good night for the country. I was. I, I yesterday, last night, could not have turned out any better. Uh, the only thing better would be if the two of them would drop out and just endorse <laughs> Trump, and we we get started going after yeah. you know straightening. I mean, this is straightening out our country. This isn't about Biden or Trump or them or me or you. This is about whether we're going to have the country that we know and love a year from now or not. That's true. And I want to get back to uh, those two you're talking about, DeSantis, who I do think will drop out uh, before New Hampshire. And Nikki, she's got to wait till she gets killed in her own home state of South Carolina. Then she'll drop out. But, you know, this story came out a couple of days. Last week, Rudy, you were on with me and you were excited. And so was Trump that the Atlanta Fulton County DA, this lowlife Fannie Willis, was, oh my goodness, yeah. was, was having sex with the special prosecutor, also funneling, taking money, stealing money to go on vacations. And what does she do? This is an unbelievable epidemic going on in America right now. If you accuse a black person who's clearly guilty, clearly guilty, if you accuse a black person of doing something wrong, they scream racism. Fannie Willis is screaming racism about these allegations this morning. What kind of garbage is that? <laughs> you know, but, you know, she's in a church, first of all, in a house of God. She doesn't say she's innocent. <laughs> right. She didn't say one word about how I didn't go on to vacation. I didn't get the vacations, the boyfriend and the cheating. How about stealing the money? I mean, that, that's, that, that is state and federal money. That they're using to go hopscotch into, uh, you know, resorts. That's stealing. You might as well take it and put it in your pocket and walk out of the out of, out of the office. And she's a DA stealing money. And by the way, she's stealing money on my dime while she's trying to put me and Trump in jail for the rest of our lives. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. I mean, that really gets me gets me a little personal there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so. And I was in front of that wacky grand jury, and my lawyer, Bob Costello, and I couldn't figure out what the hell is this grand jury. It doesn't indict. It can't put anybody in jail. It makes recommend. I've never heard of a grand jury making recommendations to another grand jury. I have convinced that that was a that was a con. That was another. In other words, let's double the grand jury costs. If we have two grand juries, we get three hundred thousand plus three hundred thousand instead of six hundred thousand. Right. Uh, that was a wasteful grand jury, no matter how you see it. It wasted the taxpayers' money. And then if you remember, one of them you saw on television 
I don't know whether she should have been in a grand jury or some other place. Uh, this is the person who hugged me. Yeah. A couple, yeah. a couple, a couple others hugged me. Yeah. They took yeah. pictures with me. Yeah. It was like uh, we were having a celebrity conference. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, I kind of felt badly for you because you're not running for anything right now. So they just have their way with you. MSNBC, CNN, more importantly, the Justice Department, Trump. Trump is looking great, and, and they can indict him all they want. E. Jean Carroll can sue him all she wants, all these impeachments, indictments, and all this nonsense. It is clear and becoming increasingly clear by Iowa last night that America has had enough. We are not going to be fooled again. We know it's one big sham. So Trump, by the amount of votes he gets in Iowa last night, can prove America is not buying this you don't have that same opportunity, Rudy, so you got to do it on your show, on my show, but I know you guys are in the same boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I look, as long as I'm fighting for the right thing and I'm fighting for my country, I'm doing what I always did. I, I, I never took as much uh, heat as this, but I've taken a lot of heat for a lot of the things that I've done. Well, when I was mayor the first couple of years, nobody thought I could be reelected. Uh, I wasn't even sure. I just did what I thought was right. And uh, so I've been trained that way. And I've gone through it before. This is the worst. And when they're trying to put you in jail, that's something different to that or trying to ruin you financially. Uh, but I just think it's worth it. I mean, I, I, the condition of the country is much worse than the condition that I'm in. <laughs> no, that's true. And, uh, that's true. And we, and we need – and look, I just happen to be the one they brought the charges to. Right. What was I going to do? Hide it? Hide no, it? no, no. But you know what's interesting? Bill O'Reilly does this morning piece on my show every day about 7.30, Rudy. I know you're on hold. And he made the, the um, I guess, comparison, the analogy between Jimmy Carter and 44 years later, I Joe Biden. Yeah, you it, heard it. it. Even down to their kids, good. Billy and Hunter, it, it is a pretty stark resemblance, Yes. Yeah, but the, think of the amounts of money have changed so much, though, right? There, we got a million bucks, even in current money. Now we're talking 50 million plus. Wow. What thieves they were. I mean, it, it, it amazes. As I was doing it before I even laid it out publicly, I took, I took two months to corroborate everything I had. I, I am the only one who, have, who has spoken to the Ukrainian witnesses. I talked to Shokin a couple of times. I helped to save his life. Nobody's done that, not even the committee. And so I know the truth of this. I know what's in Zelensky's file that that guy's hiding. I mean, he's sitting there with stuff to squeeze to squeeze Biden so bad that Biden would turn over the country to him. Well, we'll stop right there. Stop right there because I've had epic fights. I mean, epic fights with Peter, like Peter, people like Peter King on this show because I got tired a long time ago of giving Ukraine money. All of our money, quite frankly, should go to fixing our border, give a couple of bucks to Israel, and that's the end of it. I think Zelensky's a crook. I don't trust him. His country is as corrupt as it goes. Are you telling me you corroborate that or you agree with Peter King? I'm sort of in the middle of you. I corroborate it. It's the second. It's always been listed very quickly, you know, not in a lot of analysis, the second most corrupt country in the world. My experience with it is it's thoroughly corrupt. Uh, if the word systemic corruption means everybody in government is corrupt, that's what it means. The people are wonderful people. They're good people. They're God-fearing people. And they're pretty well-educated people. And they deserve better than what they're getting. Uh, I don't see giving the money without accountability. 
I don't see how we could have given them $130 billion and not really known what they've done with it. No idea. Now, 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 Biden knew what they did with it. So you can't tell me Biden. Biden is an expert on Ukraine corruption. He's part of it. I mean, he's worth, when, I would go, when I would talk to the prosecutors there and try to get them to give me a little more, and I'd say, you know, you don't want your country to be corrupt forever. They'd say, but your country's corrupt. Who, who are we looking at? We're looking at your, your vice president. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, please, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. They're exactly right. We're a, a material part of the corruption of Ukraine. Or put another way, if we had been honest, Ukraine be cor- would be honest now. Right. We have that much influence on it. Right. Now, the reality is the way out of it is not to just throw more money after bad. The reality of it is to set up some real accountability, make a decision on what your damn plan is. Now, I, don't, I don't even think Biden wants to win there. I think he wants a Vietnam, an endless, and I, I, I hate to say this, but I wonder if it isn't so the flow of money continues. I, I, I believe the same thing. If he wanted to win, we could have won this a long time ago. Between the weaponry we've got, and it just seems like you're right. It keeps going, and Zelensky keeps getting money. Yeah, and by the way, and and this nonsense that Vladimir Putin's going to take over the world, he's going into Poland, he's going here, he's going there. Vladimir Putin has shown himself to be a complete embarrassment. I mean, Russia's going to win the war. We know that. Nikki Haley sounds stupid because they've got too many people and too many weapons, but they've done an awful job. He's not taking over anything. Yeah, with what? He's got an army that's decimated. Right. I mean, he took, I mean, the one thing about the Ukrainian people, they may have corruption at the top, but they sure can fight. I mean, they did a good job when you consider who they're fighting. They're fighting the third, fourth most powerful army in the world. They're a small country. And they, they even without our help, before we got in there, they preserved 80% of their country. I know Kharkiv really well. I know the people there. I work there. People of Kharkiv are, I mean, that's the country that fought off the Russians. They keep fighting them off. And it's a Russian ethnic part of Ukraine and have turned on Putin. They used to be pro-Putin. And then he went in there in 14 and started killing them. And they said, screw you, you're not going to get us. And his his land bridge to Crimea begins about 50 miles below where he wants it. Right. So they've shown a lot of courage. And there's got to be some kind of a, there's no point to having two more years where they just kill each other and they stay in the same place. Exactly. Just, just complete. Well, I think when Trump gets in, he, you know, he makes some promises, 24 hours, that thing will be over, but, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, the truth is we saw it again last night and America is ready to bring him back. I mean, look, Haley is a double talking, backstabbing. This is the same lady, Rudy, that was asked in Iowa yesterday, is a man a man and a woman a woman? And she couldn't answer the question. Do you believe that? A Republican couldn't answer the question. uh, Dr. Maria and I are going up to, um, we're, we're going to be broadcasting from New Hampshire because, you know, she comes from New Hampshire. Yeah. She's been on and off heavily involved. She ran the hospital there for eight years, and she's heavily involved in New Hampshire politics. She knows everybody. So we're going to we're going to go there and do some special broadcasting from there. But I intend to ask Kelly a really serious question to test her. What was the cause of the Revolutionary War? <laughs> now, she doesn't know that. Now, if she doesn't know, now we have to put it back in the first grade, not run up the president. 
I can't wait to hear that. Rudy and Dr. Maria live from New Hampshire. Hey, Nikki, what was the cause of the revolution? Maybe, maybe Maria will do it. Maria <laughs> loves the fact that she got, you know, she got caught on that in New Hampshire. Yeah, I know. The guy was in New Hampshire. I know. So I know. Maria loved that. She yeah. loved it that it's New Hampshire. Yeah. Maybe I'll have her ask the question. She, uh, well, you better get to her quick because, again, my feeling, and Bill O'Reilly has said the same thing all along. DeSantis will be gone now. Vivek dropped out last night. Nikki will be gone after South Carolina, and we can do what what I've been saying for 11 months. People have been telling me for months, Rudy, oh, Sid, it's too early. No, it's not. It's never been too early. Trump had this from the very beginning. It is time for the whole Republican Party to now get behind Donald Trump, endorse Donald Trump, whether you like Donald or not. We love him, but maybe you hate him. It doesn't matter. This country cannot afford another four years of Democrat rule. This city, this state can't afford four more years of Democrat rule. What is the the moral of the story, Rudy? Democrats are destroying our nation from our cities to our states to our federal government. 100%. And the the answer for democracy is, and we've done it before in the past, decimate them and they'll fix themselves. If you you give the party a tremendous defeat, they lose their majorities in the House and Senate, lose the presidency, uh, they have powers of rejuvenation. They're going to get rid of these clowns. It's going to take a while. It'll be about two years of bad time on their side. But I saw, you saw this happen uh, during the Reagan era. They had to go through a bunch of yahoos running for president before they got Clinton, who was about as moderate as you're going to get for one of them. Right. You know? Right. I actually like that. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what that, that's what'll happen. There are the problem with the Democrat Party, the large number of Democrats for me, is not that they're all bad people or they all like this. They're probably all good people. They're just weak. Yes. Yes, they they want to win so bad, they yep. put up with things. You know, we, we fight a lot more. If this what happened in the Republican Party, half the party would be walking out. Right? I mean, uh, you wouldn't stand for a president. Oh, God, no. It didn't matter no. who we were. No, but they're not just weak. They're right. also corrupt and dirty and nasty and grotesque. And there's a lot of adjectives. Too many of those bad cities. <laughs> yeah. Right, every one of, of them. crooked cities. Too. Right, every one of them. So yeah. on the way out, in the final 60 seconds, uh, the mayor, Rudy Giuliani, he's great like this every Tuesday. I had Eric Adams on yesterday. It was very nice. About a 30-minute conversation. We covered everything from pro-Palestinian rallies to the migrants to his thoughts on Dr. King. But at one point, uh, when he started getting on Governor Abbott, I said, well, hold on a second. Governor Abbott shipping these folks out of Texas. Ron DeSantis shipped folks out of Florida. Why wouldn't you do the same? And he said, Sid, different laws, different states. It's illegal. I can't do it. Now, Curtis Lee was in studio 15 minutes ago. He goes, it's not illegal. Rudy Giuliani, if you were mayor, would you bust these people out of here? Yes or no? First bus. First bus would go. My, my first bus would go to the czar, Vice President Harris. She's got. You can't imagine how much property she's got at the Naval Observatory. Uh, it, it's just as big as, as uh, oh, one of one of the places we have. We could just substitute Floyd Bennett Field and we put it on the Naval Observatory. <laughs> I turned the buses right around and I sent them right to Washington D.C. Right. It's the federal government's problem. Handle it, federal government. That'll wake them up. I mean, the reality is you have a right to say, I'm sorry. My city, first of all, you declare an emergency. You don't let anybody anybody else in. That's it. I mean, we, we declared an emergency on September 11 and wouldn't let anybody in. They gotta, there's got to be a point where any city has too many people. Right? I mean, we could get exaggerated numbers, crazy numbers to make the point, but there's got to be a point at which 
So what's the worst thing that happened? They take you to court. Let, let some court say you can't do it. Well, look, and then take it up to the Supreme. Well, look who they're talking to about going to court. I mean, that doesn't scare you. <laughs> no, and they violate all kinds. When when they want to do it, Sid. When they want to do it, they violate. How often is the city in court violating things, Adams or any of them? When they want to do it for some left wing jerky purpose, they do it. Right. And when they don't want to do it, they don't do it. That's that's what and the executive acts. Judges judges then decide if it's legal. You can't commit absolute illegal acts like you know you can't steal like the DA, but you can take action on behalf of your people when there's an emergency, like cutting down the number of the people. Like I didn't, I never followed the, the, uh, the, the, the right uh, to a shelter. I didn't believe there was a right to shelter. They have kind of agreed to it 12 years earlier under terrible circumstances that don't exist right now. Uh, we have different uh, challenges. I never, I never paid attention to it and nobody ever sued me. How about that? Nobody. Yep. Eight years, no right to shelter in New York. Never made a big deal out of it. Just went and got them, put them in, and uh, I, I waited. I was all set. We had the brief written. Yep. Yep. I remember. And we were ready. We were ready to act. I had a legal opinion from my corporation counsel that uh, it was perfectly proper for me to do. Uh, so we're ready. I, I always expect. I never, never could figure out why. Except I think they were afraid they would lose. Yeah. Yeah. They figure they're always going to get a Democratic uh, patsy back, and they'll just revive it. Why get it killed? Like I got, I got all the rules on on the porn shops changed for good, so they can't change that back. They now can't be all in one place, and they can't be within uh, a couple hundred feet of each other, or a church, or a school. Right. That was all upheld by by the Court of Appeals. So it was a risk in fighting me. Uh, you might end up setting precedent you don't like. So let's wait for this guy to go. The only way and to do it. Bloomberg. Yeah. Bloomberg upheld it, and then we got the communist de Blasio. Right, right. De Blasio, that was it. Well, Rudy, listen, uh, you're great as always. I will see you in church coming up in about an hour. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Yep. God bless him. Huh? God bless Joe. Yeah, Joe was a great guy. man. Yeah. But I love you, yeah. and, and you're great on this show. You're great on your own show, and I'll see yeah, you later on this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Rudy. Take care, my friend. My man, Rudy Giuliani, great every day on this station. 3 p.m., the greatest mayor in New York history. That wraps up hour number two. Big hour three coming up, including President Trump's daughter-in-law. She's in a celebratory mood this morning. My friend, Lara Trump, hour three coming up next. Friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC.
Trump, the big win in Iowa last night. We're going to talk to his daughter-in-law. She's on this show quite a bit, become a close friend of mine. Lara Trump, married to his son, Eric. Lara will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. Donald Trump Jr. is set to join us either Thursday or Friday. We, we seem to have um, a special guest online. One, I don't know who this is. I don't know what this person wants to talk about. And I usually don't do stuff like this because there is a possibility it could be a complete disaster. But I'm going to trust Lou and Justin, which is another stupid idea. But here it is. Oh, good morning, sir. How are you? Sid, how are you? It's Judah. Judah Honickman? Judah Honickman here on the line with my buddy Heichel from Heichel Travel, who wants to share some exciting news with you. Judah and Heichel. Uh, hey, good morning. Uh, good how morning. You doing? Hi, how are you, my friend? You're calling from Israel, obviously. That's correct. <laughs> Actually, I'm in Cleveland, a snowy Cleveland, Ohio right now. Oh. Uh, Judah's in Israel, and uh, we. this was an international uh, coordinated effort. Um, but I wanted to let you know that we have some great news for you. You are booked to go to Israel. Oh, my God. Week of January 28th. Oh, my God. Well, that is, <laughs> I have to um, tell you. The people uh, of Israel, we, we, we want to welcome you. We're looking forward to this. Oh, my God. I, I can't begin to tell you how appreciative I am. I, you know, like Heichel, early this morning I had Dove Heikend on the show, and we were talking about these latest Hamas tapes that have surfaced the last couple of days, and young Noah, who they're still holding captive, the two young men who now we see in the latest video are actually both dead around Noah, and then I played a cut this morning from Nama Levy, the beautiful 19-year-old girl who we saw being loaded into a truck with stains on the back of her pants. Uh, her mom, uh, you know, just uh, telling her she loves her and asking asking her to come home. And, you know, I just I, I felt compelled since that day, and Yehuda can tell you this, to, to get there. I've never been there in my life. I'm embarrassed to say it as a proud Jew, never been to Israel. And this just seems like the perfect time. So this is... um. It's very emotional and great news. Thank you very much. You're coming, Sid. Wow. And we can't wait. Well, thank you very much thank uh, for you, that. Sir. Thanks for making the time. God bless you. Thank you, Keiko. Thank you so much. Todaroba. Sid, we'll talk Good soon, fun. brother. See you thank soon. You. Thank you, Judah. Thank you. Thank you, uh, both you guys. That is great news. And um, wow. Justin, I know you have family there and. I guess it's your aunt and uncle, is that right? Uh, my aunt, my uncle, my three cousins, yeah. And her, I mean, my cousins have families and, and yeah, all that Are stuff. Are they all in Jerusalem? Or? No, um, uh, my aunt and uncle live in a city called Modi'in. Yes, I know it. And uh, my cousin lives in, uh, my older cousin who got married last year, I believe, lives in uh, Tel Aviv. Yeah. My younger cousin who just got engaged also lives in Tel Aviv. Well, we're actually flying into Tel Aviv, yeah. I believe. Yeah, Ben-Gurion, no? I believe so, yes. I don't know how long the trip is. No one would know this. How long is the trip from the airport in Tel Aviv? But we're going to be staying at a lovely hotel in, in the central part of Jerusalem. How far is that trip? No. It's probably a little over an hour from About the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, um, oh, what can I say? I'm grateful, and we'll have more details on how we made this trip happen. Obviously, without the blessing of John and Margo and Chad and George and Emily and the people here at WABC, this doesn't happen. So I'm forever grateful to everybody here for uh, hopping on with us, hopping aboard. I think uh, we all know what's at stake here, not just Israel, but this country and maybe the world. And this is the time to go. 
this is the time to go. So that's a wonderful phone call. Thank you very much for that, guys. We'll take a short break. Still to come, Lara Trump. And then don't forget, I'm out of here at 9 o'clock. I'll hand it up to Curtis Sliwa on my way to Joe Esposito's funeral. God rest his soul. More of Sid and Friends in the morning on this Tuesday morning. Not here for this. Informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Santana for you, 8.34 on your Tuesday morning. 26 more minutes from me, then I head to St. Patrick's. Larry Trump is coming up next. Her father-in-law, Donald, had a pretty good night last night in Iowa. And that sets the stage for a very interesting New Hampshire showdown. New Hampshire is um, is kind of a wacky deal. Democrats vote, independents vote. And that's why there seems to be this... I'm not going to say consensus, but certainly a a large portion of folks that think Nikki Haley may win New Hampshire. I would just say this. I don't care. <laughs> she can win New Hampshire. She's still not going to come anywhere near a primary win. In fact, she'll get destroyed in her own state of South Carolina and probably beg out. So the New Hampshire thing means nothing to me. I still think Trump wins. She'll make it close. Surprised DeSantis is still here today. Vivek did the right thing. He quit last. I mean, did the right thing. All these people never should have run in the first place. I mean, those four debates were embarrassing, all of them. Nikki Haley has some qualities. You know, DeSantis is a terrific governor. I know the insurance business isn't exactly going well down in Florida, home insurance, but good governor, real good governor. But to think that these people are going to beat Trump, I mean, just, and I've been saying it for months, even my own friends, Bo and Peter King, and the, I mean, what are you thinking? What are you, nuts? This country, in my lifetime, if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. And I was around, I was a teenager, I remember Jimmy Carter, I remember the gas lines, my dad waiting two hours for gas, the hostages in Iran boycotting the Olympics, and how great it felt to have Ronald Reagan win and how a hockey team beat the, the Russians in Finland, of course, too. I remember. It wasn't as bad as this. This is a real nightmare at home and abroad. You can't have amateurs. And I'm sorry. They may be great governors, 
and some good ideas. They're amateurs. You bring back a guy who was great at it. I don't care whether you like him or not. I don't care about his tweets. I don't care that you think she's got a better chance of beating Biden. That's dumb. You know why that's dumb? As I say all the time, you don't get to the Super Bowl unless you win the NFC Championship. The primary is the NFC Championship. She ain't going to win. So it's time for all of us, all of us, to stop the nonsense, including these nominees. What are you, these candidates, excuse me. You wanted to say something else, I think. These candidates, to stop the nonsense, rally around Trump, and let's take back our country, because we're losing it. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. So I get by with a little help from my friends. So I looked down at the phone. I love this song. This is a great song. And uh, Rudy Giuliani's been calling for like an hour. (laughs) So Rudy was already on at 7.45 this morning. He was great. But clearly, my buddy Rudy puts the phone in his back pocket. And he's sitting in the car, probably on the way to the church to meet me and Bo Deedle and thousands of others for Joe Esposito's funeral. He's either sitting or boarding on the phone. And um, he's been calling. He's, he's calling right now. Yeah, no, it's been ringing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> why, don't you call, why don't you call him and tell him? Because I, I, I keep picking up and I go, hello, hello, hello. And the hello. phone's by his ass, so he can't hear you. There, yeah. Pick it up anyway. Okay. Because I got to Larry Trump here, but I just want to hear if Rudy picks up. Or... Rudy, stop calling. Hey, Rudy. <laughs> hey, Rudy. Hello. 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 <laughs> You're talking to his ass. All right. Hello. Uh, hello. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Historic night for our friend Donald Trump in Iowa. No one's ever done it. You know, it's funny. I was, I'm like, maybe I'll watch the caucus and the football game, the Eagles and the Buccaneers, kind of back and forth. But they called the caucus at 8:23. He had already won 51 percent. And I don't know about uh, you folks, but I could not be happier. His daughter-in-law is my favorite Trump of all, Lara. She's on this show all the time. And she's here right now. So congratulations, Lara Trump. Well, thank you. Uh, and I guess the reason I couldn't get through when I was calling in is because Rudy's been butt-dialing you all morning. So thanks, <laughs> thanks to Rudy for that as well. I was like, do I have the right number? Now I know I do, and that was the problem. Um, yeah. I, I mean, what a night. Honestly, you know, for anyone, Sid, who had any question at all, about whether Donald Trump has the ability, has the popularity still, is still the guy. You got your answer in less than 30 minutes last night. And and like you, I actually didn't get to go to Iowa because my kids were off of school yesterday for MLK Day. And so as many parents uh, probably had to do as well, we had to kind of roll the dice and say, all right, who's going to go? Who's going to stay? I stayed with the kids. Eric was out in Iowa. And I said, oh, well, I'll kind of settle in and watch it. And it was so quick. Eric was still at his caucus location when they called the whole thing. Yeah. But it shows you, I think, the message that Iowans wanted to send is very much the same as the rest of America, which is we get to step up now and 2024 is our year. And here is who we want. Here's our guy. This is the one we want back in the White House. Man, it could not have been louder or more clear last night. 
And you really love your father-in-law. That's part of the reason why uh, you and I became so close. And whether you're talking about him or your own career, you're just a very genuine person. There's no phony with you, Lara. And it's been a very difficult three years, dating back to the day that he lost to Joe Biden. Of course, he believes, as many others do, that uh, that election was rigged. Hard to argue that. And then, you know, all these ridiculous indictments and uh, these civil trials. I mean, your poor father-in-law goes from court to his next state uh, every week. It's just an unbelievable schedule, but he's been able to do it. So after what you guys have been through as a family, as a family the last three years, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, last night had to be quite rewarding, yes? Oh, well, are you kidding? Of course. And, you know, not just the past three years, but to remember back to where we started. In 2016, I mean, you have to think back to the first time any of us set foot in Iowa and truly said we really didn't have any idea what the heck we were doing there. I mean, I remember Eric and I went to a caucus location, and we were like, wait a minute, what is a caucus? What are we doing here? We really didn't know. We were so green, and we've learned so much. Um, but, yeah, to to really see the abuse that my father-in-law has taken over the past three years, and honestly, the abuse our entire country has taken. It was incredibly rewarding and validating last night to see the way the people of Iowa stepped up for Donald Trump. And I think what it says is people want their country back. What it says is that people understand a person who can deliver their country back to them. There is one person who is running for president of the United States on both sides of the aisle who has done the job of president and has done it successfully, and it's Donald Trump. People want him back. They want the prosperity. They want the safety and security. They want the peace. They want the strength of America back. And that is what you saw last night. So for all of us in the family, but I think for the rest of America, it was a very, very validating moment last night. And also uh, a message to Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Nikki personally. I'm really not. In fact, at this point, she's an annoyance for me. Uh, I don't dislike Ron as much as Nikki, but Ron has never really won a competitive race. I mean, say what you want about your father-in-law. You and I had these discussions early on. Maybe he should be nicer. But the tact that he used Donald Trump was brilliant because he beat DeSantis to death before he had a chance to even win this thing. And you have to win the primary before you can beat a guy like Joe Biden. So everything your father-in-law did leading up to this has been uh, perfect, just like he did in 16 and uh, mostly in uh, 2020 as well. But I'd like to see both of them at this point just kind of give it up. They have no chance, no chance. There is no path to victory. It would be nice, Lara, if all these candidates just rallied around Donald Trump, America rallied around Donald Trump, and uh, make these, uh, you know, this next six or seven months about getting him the win, don't you think? Well, absolutely. And actually, you heard as the first thing out of my father-in-law's mouth last night you know, in his victory speech was about coming together. And he said, "Let now it's time to come together. Now it is time to unite. And I think his words really are powerful and meaningful. And people need to listen to what he said, because I think that is exactly right. And it's what you're saying, Sid. The truth is, you said it. DeSantis has never had a path to victory. And we know now after last night, there is no path to victory for him. Nikki Haley, much the same. Vivek obviously got out last night and endorsed my father-in-law. This is the time now where we need to come together as a party and as a country and rally support behind Donald Trump. The truth is we don't get another shot 
at this thing. I believe if we get it wrong this year, if for some reason we do not win in 2024 as a party, if Donald Trump is not president of the United States, I truly do not believe, and this is not hyperbole in any manner, that the, the America we've always known will cease to exist. I don't really know what we get on the other side of it, because three years with Joe Biden in the White House has been so detrimental, not just to this country, but to the world. So I think you're right. I think now is the time everyone needs to rally support behind the man, the guy, the one, Donald Trump. Let's go hard against Joe Biden and these Democrats. And quite frankly, said at this point, I don't even know how the heck they can run Joe Biden. I truly don't believe he will be their nominee come November 5th. But whoever it might be, we've got to put all of our power behind Donald Trump to beat these people because we're not going to have a country left if we don't do that. Could not agree more. And uh, it does sound like an exaggeration, very dramatic. But you're right. We are not going to have a country. Now, you mentioned something that's a great fear of mine, and that is that Joe Biden will not be there November 5th. And uh, the rumors are heavy now because Michelle Obama came out on a podcast last week. And uh, somebody said to me, I think it was Judge Janine, boy, that was early. And the rumors are is that two weeks ago, Barack Obama had lunch with Biden at the White House. And he said, Joe, you're done. We are not going to back you. You can't win. And uh, instead, the ticket looks like Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom. I'm going to be honest. I love, love your father-in-law almost as much as you do, and I want him to win. But a Michelle Obama-Gavin Newsom ticket scares the hell out of me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal in any way. Look, Michelle Obama has a very high likability rating whenever you look at her across both sides of the aisle. Um, she's, she's a very popular figure. But I, I think at this point, our job, whoever it might be, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's Michelle Obama, Gavin Newsom, whoever they might try to run on the left, is to remind people what you got with Donald Trump. Michelle Obama is an unknown when it comes to politics. She's never actually held a formal position in politics ever. Right, but, but, but the good unlike, news is, but the good news is, her husband did hold the position, and, uh, and it as, was a disaster. Correct, I, I, and, and I'm glad you said that because everybody loves him. He's eloquent. He's sweet. Those eight years were a complete disaster. Terrorist attacks all over the world. ISIS was gaining strength, the JV. Attacks here in the United States. The most sluggish growing economy in the history of the country. BLM, Lara, was born under Barack Obama. The unifier, I'm a black man. It was born under him. Ferguson, Missouri, Baltimore, Maryland. It was eight years of disaster. So if she does run, we can put her husband's issues on her. Well, that's exactly right. And I think, like I said before, that we know what you get with Donald Trump. And while some people may not like his tweets, his personality specifically, I think people now understand that you can't vote based on that. People can only be tricked for so long. You can only pull the wool over people's eyes for so long. And for whatever you want to say about the 2020 election, 81 million people so inspired by Joe Biden campaigning out of his basement. They came out in historic (laughs) ways to vote him in. Okay. What happened on the other side of that is that people can't unsee the disaster. They can't now look at things the same way because it really opened their eyes as to how dangerous that sort of thing is. So, look, we may not have Joe Biden to run against, but whoever it might be, I can tell you the Trump team is prepared. We have a man who has done the job and done it successfully. We need him back in office. And I can guarantee you every member of our family will be out there 
working as hard as possible to make sure that happens. Do you plan on going to New Hampshire, or is Eric going to go there, too? Yeah, no, no, I will be in New Hampshire. No no holidays for these kids. <laughs> They're back in school, thank goodness. We've got everything <sighs> under control here. So, yeah, I'm planning to be in New Hampshire next week, so I'll see everybody there. You know, we um, I got a phone call right before you, Lara, from a friend of mine in Israel. And you know how much I've I've covered this and how deeply hurt I've been, uh, all of us, by the way, since October the 7th. And I've never been to Israel. I'm embarrassed to say it as a proud Jewish man. But we are going. I'm going to take this show to Israel and do four shows between January 29th and two weeks and February 1st, live from Jerusalem. And I'm really looking forward to it. Now, I'm nervous, of course, because I'm going to see all those places where all those atrocities happened. And I'm a pretty sensitive guy, but excited to go and be there. And when I think about what your father-in-law did for that country, I'm not a one-issue voter. So it's not as easy as, hey, Trump was great to Israel. I look at the whole resume. Trump was great to this country. And there were no world wars, which we're about to face maybe if uh, China and Taiwan get going. So for me, he did a lot more than just Israel. But if I was a one-issue voter and it was just about Israel, man, did your father-in-law do great things by that country. And that is so important now because, as you know, Lara Biden, he plays on both teams. He tells Israel he loves them, but he funds Iran. He plays on both teams. That's unacceptable. Well, it's unacceptable and it's dangerous. And you see, you know, like you said, it kind of feels like we're on the verge of World War III. The irony, by the way, the fact that everybody said Donald Trump would get us into World War III, and it was quite the opposite. You had the Abraham Accords, peace agreements that were historic, signed in the Middle East while Donald Trump was president of the United States. Two meetings with Kim Jong-un of North Korea to possibly denuclearize the Korean Peninsula. That's what you got with Donald Trump. But yes, to have someone in the White House right now, like Joe Biden, who, by the way, allowed Iran to build up the money to then fund Hamas to give them the ability to go in and, as you said, commit those atrocities in Israel to cause this entire situation. And then I heard that he hung up on Netanyahu just last week. This is who we have in the White House. This guy, Joe Biden, is just about the worst, not only for this country, but for the rest of the world in terms of a president of the United States you could ever have. We have to make a change. We know the person who can do it. It's Donald J. Trump. So on the way out, um, you know, your father-in-law was in courts, two different courts last week. This is going to be an annoying and ongoing conversation, and I apologize before I even ask it, Lara, but it's uh, obligatory. So he's going to go to court, then he's going to go to a state, then he's going to go to court, then he's going to go to a state and campaign, and he's going to do this for the better part of the next eight or nine months, and he's going to win, which is great, but the period leading up to that is going to be grueling in court one day and campaigning in a state, in the other. How does the rest of the family, how do you guys help him with something like this? Or is it basically, I got it? Well, he's pretty much like, I got it. You know, you know him like I do. Said This is, yeah. this is a very unique individual. In fact, last week, he held a rally in Iowa. I'm sorry, it was a town hall in Iowa. And then he flew straight to New York, was on like three and a half hours of sleep, to then appear in court the very next morning. And he he did the same thing last night. He flew directly from Iowa back to New York. I think they got in at like 4 o'clock in the morning. But if anyone can do this, it is Donald Trump. And the way we help him as a family is we're there for whatever he needs. I will be, like I said, in New Hampshire next week. 
Eric is on the campaign trail. Don't forget, we have other stuff going on. We have two kids. We both have uh, uh, other jobs and other things that we do, other titles we need to hold. But um, I think we're, he knows we're there for him in whatever way is necessary. I think what they didn't bank on whenever they put all this, this together and they said, let's just throw the book at Donald Trump. Let's weaponize the DOJ against this guy. He can't handle this. He'll drop out. <laughs> they didn't expect the guy that he is. He can handle it. He will go harder than anyone else has ever gone. And believe me, he will be standing on the other end as the Republican nominee, and I believe as the 47th president. That is a perfect way to end this conversation. Absolutely great, Lara, and uh, beautiful family. And I, I always say this along with Donald, you're my favorite. What a great spokesperson. And uh, look, I, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for him, the whole family. I'm happy for America. We got off to a good start last night. Still a ways to go, but I think, like you said, we're well on our way to a primary win, an easy primary win, and hopefully 45 and 47. Lara Trump, you're the best. Thank you so much. Let's go do it. I'm here the whole way. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, Ted. You got it. Lara Trump right there. Always an honor to have her on. She is a wonderful lady. Just wonderful. And uh, her father-in-law is going to get it done. That is it for me today, but don't worry. I'm handing off to a pole ball running back, the great Curtis Sliwa. He's going to take it till 10 o'clock. Then you get Brian Kilmeade from 10 to noon. And more of Curtis coming up from noon to 1. I'm heading over to St. Patrick's Cathedral for the funeral for our dear friend Joe Esposito, former chief of police and a beloved New Yorker. Everybody loved Joe Esposito. So, for me... Lewis, excellent job. Justin, excellent job. Noam, excellent job. As my friend Gene would say, until 6 o'clock tomorrow, I'll be back again for four hours. But today, for me, this is it. So, until tomorrow, peace.
two Brooklyn boys this morning at 7.05. Sid Rosenberg, who began his program at 6, talking about how he couldn't sleep last night. Likewise, for me, I was from Canarsie. He was from Midwood. I have the itch. You know, it's the scratch-a-thon going on. But I must tell you, uh, I was thinking last night that I should have gone to the wake of... Uh, the chief of the department for so many years of the city of New York and then head of the op, organ, uh, opera OEM uh, here in the city of New York, emergency management, Joe Esposito. Uh, the wake was at the Church of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, North 8th Street, right in the heart of North Williamsburg. And every uh, summer they have Ujulio when they lift the statue. It's like 110 bulls underneath. I've done that before. And they parade up and down, and they have the boats. Uh, and it's tri- quite the festive occasion. They maintain the Italian tradition in North Williamsburg, even though many have left, packed their bags and left, and they've been uh, replaced by the hipsters and millennials. I think uh, the statue, when they dance with it, is uh, dedicated to St. Uh, Paulinus. The church is a magnificent church, the heart of the Italian-American community for decades. But I decided not to go for two reasons. Uh, first off, uh, I am going to pay my respects to um, uh, a man's man, chief of the department, Joe Esposito, and then uh, OEM chief, fired, I might add, by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who I hope is not in St. Patrick's Cathedral, I hope, because he disparaged this great man. But I decided not to go because... Um, I'll never forget, it was the uh, summer of 2021. I was running against Eric Adams. I've been to this feast every year. In fact, I had the Guardian Angels. We were patrolling under the BQE then. They had a homeless encampment there with a lot of crime, a lot of drugs. Uh, We were keeping it in check. Uh, They've returned since. They're there now. And uh, the mayor, who was the borough president at the time running against me, was... uh, Going through the crowd, they gave him the microphone, the Monsignor, who uh, I have no respect for. Uh, and uh, he announced that he's the mayor of the city of New York. I'm standing right there. People were saying, let Curtis speak, let Curtis speak. Nope. Took the microphone, microphone from me. So I said, you know, rather than go there, pissed off as I am uh, at uh, the Monsignor and the Roman Catholic Church, for encouraging all these illegal aliens to come in, and they're not housing any of them. Not housing any of them. Houses of worship, the only two houses of worship that are housing illegal aliens are Pentecostal Church in the South Bronx. All these big mockers who keep talking about, yeah, let the the migrants in, let the illegal aliens in. Reverend A.R. Bernard, who broadcasts here, has the mega church on Flatlands Avenue, Pennsylvania Avenue, 5,000 seats, hasn't taken one illegal alien. Rabbi Joe Potashnik, again, he's got his synagogue in Brooklyn Heights. Oh, bring them in, bring them. They don't take one. And the city actually gives them $128 per diem if they take them into their church, their synagogue, and their their mosque. They're sanctimonious hypocrites, but especially the Catholic Church with its Catholic charities, which is a racket that is at the border and actually encourages these illegal aliens coming in to come up to New York City. So let me put that aside. So I decided not to go there because, you know me, I don't forgive and I don't forget. 
So I do my tribute to Joe Esposito. Uh, pretty much a love-hate relationship. The hate came later on because uh, he was a big supporter for Eric Adams to become the mayor. He was put in as deputy commissioner of enforcement for the New York City Department of Buildings to keep an eye on the crook Eric Ulrich, who uh, should never have been made buildings commissioner. He wouldn't know what to do with a bag of nails and a hammer. It was really Joe Esposito who was running that department. And you saw what happened to Eric Ulrich. As I predicted, he would be indicted. And right now he's prepared to go to jail for political corruption. And he's singing like a canary to the feds, to the U.S. Attorney's Office. So that gets you up to speed. But I saw Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, come into the studios at WABC last week, Studio 77, and do an interview with Suzanne Miller, the real estate gal. And I felt soiled. I really did. I felt like I needed to take a hot shower. Because if he shows up at St. Patrick's Cathedral today, that fake, phony, fraudulent fagazi, I would be there right in his face, and I would say, wait a second. You're the guy who fired Joe Esposito, who you chose to be in charge of OEM, Office of Emergency Management. He was away on a vacation on November 15th of 2018, and there was snow, just like today, except it was about seven inches that hit the city, paralyzed the city. And the new Jack Sanitation Commissioner of Bill de Blasio, Kathy Garcia, who didn't even know what the term tertiary streets were. It was an embarrassment. She didn't know the plows had to go... uh, Plow the main streets and then the side streets, which are the tertiary streets. And it pretty much tied up the city in knots. So instead of chalking it up to rookie mistakes, Comrade Bill de Blasio, and saying, well, Kathy Garcia was never involved in sanitation. She didn't know what she was doing, but she was a rookie. Maybe she would learn on the job. No. He needed a fall guy. And so when Joe Esposito came back, he assigned a deputy mayor named Anglin, a woman, to sit him down and to look at Joe Esposito, a man's man, and tell him the mayor is giving you two opportunities. You can resign on your own or you're going to be fired. And then Joe Esposito stared back at her and said, let me tell you something. If the mayor wants me fired, he's going to have to do it personally. And in typical fashion, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love, vacillated, waited, said, well, we're going to continue to keep Joe Esposito in the position of uh, the operational director of Office of Emergency Management. We're going on a nationwide uh, hunt. And they ended up hiring some guy from Massachusetts who was a person of no consequence. He humiliated Joe Esposito. He just damaged what was such a stellar reputation that Joe had accumulated in the police department in New York. And I think the very first time I met Joe Esposito, who was near the 83rd precinct in Bushwick, I think he was a sergeant or lieutenant at the time, And it was about 1989, Maria Hernandez and her husband had fought off crack dealers right in the heart of Bushwick. 
uh, and they had constantly put together rallies. They took on the crack dealers. They said they gotta, they gotta leave. They gotta leave. And then the crack dealers right there on Star Street, not far from the 83rd precinct, came up and just shot through their, their window. Their family's window was on the ground floor. Five shots killing Marie Hernandez. Eventually, they renamed Nicobaca Park in Maria Hernandez's honor. I remember I and the Guardian Angels accompanied uh, the many marches uh, that took place through the community, and that's where I first met Joe Esposito, who had originally been uh, assigned to the 83rd Precinct. And we hit it off, and he always hit it off with the Guardian Angels. But he piloted the way to take weak mayors when dealing with demonstrators, like we have now. Oh, my God. Yesterday, these Hamas rabble-rousers, pro-Hamas, pro-Houthi, went outside a Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, which has a pediatric hospital, and said they were complicit in genocide. Then they went over to Mount Sinai Medical Center, and they were chanting, Mount Sinai, you can't hide, you support genocide. And nothing is done by the city to, to, to steer them away they have no permit to march, to parade. They have no sound permits. Basically, Eric Adams has rolled over. He signed a consent uh, decree with the courts, which prohibit the cops from doing their jobs. And then later on, he said, I knew it was a mistake when I signed it, but the lawyers told me I had to. Marquana Mai, this guy has no balls. Everybody tells him what to do. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. What a disgrace yesterday in the streets of the Upper East Side. And yet it was Chief Joe Esposito who said to Mayor Bloomberg at the time, you've let these rabble-rousers occupy Wall Street there for now a full month. The Occupy Wall Street area, Trinity Church owned it in Zuccotti Park. You've let them take over that place for a month. You've done nothing. And every day they leave their encampment filled with swill and human waste. Some people who were emotionally disturbed where rapes had taken place against women. You won't let us do our job, Bloomberg. You're afraid of the Occupy Wall Street anarchists. And now they're going to take over the Brooklyn Bridge. They said today they're taking over the Brooklyn Bridge. Unhandcuff us, Bloomberg. And then he did. Finally, he did. And Joe Esposito led the NYPD. They arrested 768 marchers that day. October 1st, as they were crossing the Brooklyn Bridge, breaking all the rules. I'll never forget, it was like yesterday. 2011, they had occupied Zuccotti Park, occupied Wall Street for three months. Even Rage Against the Machine had come in and entertained the crowd. And they broke the back of Occupy Wall Street, the demonstrators that that day. Who did it? It was the chief of the New York City Police Department, Joe Esposito, who finally told Bloomberg in the way that only Joe could say it, grow a pair, stop this nonsense, give me the permission to arrest them when they shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. So to Joe Esposito... A man's man, a guy that I had mostly agreed with and sometimes disagreed with. This is the kind of a person that we need in New York City to help take back the city. Because 
He already had a set. He didn't have to grow a set. And when you see the kind of mamsy-pamsy ways that our elected officials are dealing with violators, in the next segment we're going to be talking about horrific continued shoplifting and porch pirates stealing packages all over the city and all throughout the suburbs, and law enforcement does nothing, elected officials do nothing, and that leads to further crimes being committed and a sense of lawlessness. To Joe Esposito, he honored his badge. He honored his uh, sworn duty to protect the people of New York, and he did it with vigor. He dug his boots in, and he shamed the politicians when they stood in the way of the NYPD. Unlike now when Eric Adams handcuffs them by signing a consent decree that won't allow them to touch demonstrators, steer them in a different direction, demand where are your permits for this parade, this march, this illegal demonstration, where are your sound permits, that's everything that Joe Esposito would do, would say, because it was based on the law. He wasn't feckless, he wasn't weak, and he didn't fold like a cheap camera. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. When he's sticking you, we're taking all your money. Give me the loot! Give me the loot! Oh, yeah, Justin Ellis. Biggie, right? Give me the loot. Give me the loot. You're going to have a homework assignment later on towards the end of this hour. As Sid has gone off to St. Patrick's Cathedral to honor Joe Esposito. Tremendous, tremendous. A man's man, a cop's cop. But Justin Ellick, you failed miserably. Uh, you're loyal to the Philadelphia Eagles, but you didn't listen to me. The curse against the Eagles by their owner kicking out George Norcross because he flew an Israeli and American flag at his box in Philly, and they crashed and burned. And I've got a homework assignment for you to make up for that. We're gonna we're gonna educate you later in this uh, hour as if you were Booker boy. Going to Salmon Schechter, just like uh, Sid Rosenberg did over by Ocean Park. Just imagine. So prepare to dive in. Uh, prepare to put your yarmulke on. Prepare. Uh, you probably never, never read anything from the Talmud or Torah. But let's deal with this wave of shoplifting. I don't care what police officials say, whether they're in the city, the suburbs, or even rural areas, county sheriffs, elected officials. Americans are subjected to watching crime take place in front of them, and they feel impotent. And, you know, the officials play with the numbers. They cook the books. Like here, we have Eric Adams. Oh, murders are down, shootings are down. Meantime, people going in and out of retail establishments, uh, brick-and-mortar stores, and shoplifting like they own the place, boosting products. It is so open. People uh, following FedEx trucks, uh, UPS trucks, United States Postal Service trucks, Amazon trucks, and just stealing packages that are left 
to the uh, purchaser, whether it's in their place of business, the foyer of their apartment building, the porch of their home. And none of the police departments want to make arrests. None of them. They don't want it on their books because then it'll look like crime is up, which it is. When you have people on video stealing packages with all the modern technology we have now that we didn't have years ago, and you do nothing to follow up on it and prosecute and make arrests and put it on your books as a robbery, not a petty larceny, a robbery, a serious charge, because you're always downgrading charges. You are creating the climate for continued crime. And what I've seen out near Floyd Bennett Field now, it's learned by these illegal aliens. They see Americans going in and out shoplifting. There are no consequences, boosting products, no consequences, stealing packages as porch pipes, no consequences. So they learn. I guess this is the American way. I can go into King's Plaza there on Flatbush Avenue, Avenue U. I go in with my baby carriage. I stuff everything underneath, and I just walk out. This is the American way, and it's happening more and more. Walmart, Target. They're locking up. They're locking up underwear and socks. Now, how many times did mommy tell you when you were a kid, you know, make sure, uh, Justin, you have a clean pair of socks and clean pair of underwear. You never know. You might be in the ER. You might be in the hospital. And, you know, you shouldn't have any uh, soiled shorts on. It'll make the family look bad. How many times? Every time I had to go to the hospital, I had that concept in my head. Hey, are my socks clean? Uh, do they have holes in them? Uh, am I, uh, is my underwear clean? I shot five times the hollow point bullets. I'm worried. Gee whiz. I wonder if I have clean underwear on and unholy socks. Now you can't even run into a Walmart Target in most stores and just quickly purchase a pair of socks, a pair of underwear, because it's all behind the plastic glass. It takes you maybe 40 minutes, 40 minutes sometimes to get a, a customer service agent to show up with the right key. And, you know, they got all the keys on their side now. They look like a superintendent of a building, a custodian of a school. And in order to unlock the products, I mean, it, it, Walmart, Target, all over the country. Then it's Dwayne Reed, CVS. Walgreens here. Rite Aid is out of business because of the shoplifting. And it just continues on and on. And nothing's being done. Absolutely Jack Diddley squad. It's just not an indictment of our officials and our police in the city of New York and the prosecutors all throughout the suburbs. Nassau County, Suffolk County, all throughout New Jersey. Everywhere I go, there are no consequences for shoplifting and boosting. There is no prosecution, virtually no arrest, and everybody says, yeah, but we want to keep the crime stats looking good so that it does not appear the crime is going up. Oh, come on, Ufa. You know, the most recent trick, the simplest trick I've seen over and over in the bodegas and grocery stores and the Dwayne Reeds, you know, the retail uh, drug stores that sell everything other than drugs, selling sodas, beer, the whole nine yards. This is the, the quickest trip. Guy comes in, and he opens up sodas or beers or Coke 45 or old malt liquor, um, and then he just drinks half of it and screws it back and puts it back. And finally, finally, you're getting blowback from the owners and operators, generally family operations, usually first uh, 
first immigrant families, first generation immigrant families who put every nickel, dime, and penny and sweat equity into this brick-and-mortar store, and they've had enough. They're now waiting for the police. They're taking matters into their own hands. I do. Didn't you supposed to pay for the first? Nah, man, it's right. I don't even want this, man. I'm going to put it back. You're supposed to pay for it first. No, I ain't supposed to pay for it first. I got to taste this, man. This stuff be outdated. I got to taste it. Yeah, that's bad, bro. Nah, nah. Nah, come on, come on, you gotta pay for it, don't man. Do, no, brother, don't do that, brother. Look, don't do that. Nah, no, bro, look what he did. Brother, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that, bro. Don't do that. Now you gotta pay for it. Don't do He's he's uncorking, you know, the Scrooge top, Old English, uh, soda, everything. He's drinking half of it, putting it back right in front of the guy's face. Family-owned operation. Family-owned said, no, it ain't going to be like that. This is a nickel, dime, and penny business. There's no insurance for this. The cops don't come. They don't want to fill out any paperwork. There's no prosecution. Got to take matters into our own hands. Old school. Now, it's not going to happen with the giant retailers like a Walmart or a Target or anyone else because they basically advise, even their security officers, uh, their clerks, everyone who works, managers, don't interfere. Somebody shows up, just let them walk out, like recently happened right near Atlanta, uh, Manhattan Beach in Brooklyn. Avenue Y and 15th Street, there's a Marshalls. A Marshalls, nice place to shop. Guy walks in there, fills up the cart, goes right out the back door. The emergency alarm goes off, and everyone is told in the store. Manager tells the clerks, uh, everybody, don't do anything. Let him go. Let him go. Right there, Manhattan Beach, Avenue Y, 15th Street, there's a Marshalls. Happens all the time. There are no consequences. We got to go old school. I remember you went in to a grocery store years ago when I was a kid in the 60s, and you tried to clip anything. It could have been Bazooka Joe bubblegum, the easiest thing to take, put in your pocket. It could have been a a, a chocolate bar, right? It could have been a Mars bar. It could have been a Snickers. could have been M&M's. Man, that was a hell of a price to pay if they caught you. They put the fear of God into you. And if you were an adult, you got treated by the family that ran that store. And let me take you back to what happened outside of Stockton. These Sikhs, they owned a franchise for 7-Eleven. They had been robbed on a regular basis. The Crips gang would come in, a black gang, we're all blue. they basically roll in a garbage can on wheels and just take everything off the shelf. Finally, the Sikhs, who are tough guys in India, I mean, oh, real tough guys, Decided enough is enough. They got the shmata on their heads. They carry the gherkin knives. And they beat the living daylights out of this guy. And guess what? Never got prosecuted. Never got prosecuted. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. And they whooped him hard. And on his way out, he tried to grab something else, and he broke his arm. Now, it's interesting. Everybody thought that, oh, 
gruesome Newsom, the governor, the attorney general in Sacramento, California, would make an example of them. They even try to pass a law in the state legislature preventing any man, woman, transgender, whatever in California from interfering with store theft. You could not stop them. You could not question them. You could not profile them. You could not even run out into the parking lot and pull out your iPhone and smartphone and film the license plate of the brand new SUV. Well, the cars that they were driving away with couldn't even do that. And finally, families who have family-owned businesses who put every nickel, dime, and penny and sweat equity into a business where you only make a nickel, dime, or penny decided enough is enough fight back. So, hey, politicians, be feckless and weak. Police say there's nothing you can do. Prosecutors, oh, I'm handcuffed by the law. Then move aside. Old school rules. This is how you preserve a brick-and-mortar store, family-owned operation. At times, you have no choice but to take the law into your own hands to stop the shoplifting, the boosting, and especially the porch pirates that are everywhere. From the Beretta, putting all the holes in your sweater, the money getter, throw the better, Rolex watches, the colorful swatches, I'm digging in pockets, can't stop it. Man, come through, I'm taking high school rings too. Get strangled for the earrings and bangles, and when I rock her and drop her, I'm taking her donatas, and if she's resistant, block her, block her, block her. So go get your man. He can get robbed too. Tell him Biggie took it. What he gonna do? I hope apologetic, or I'ma have to set it. And if I said it, that I won't forget it. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. The most intimate form of communication that has ever been invented. Most feel like I do is Marconi. But some say it was the Serbian Tesla. Whomever it is, the radio brings you a lot of pleasure, but it brings you a lot of pain. And now I have to subject the new Jack here, Justin Ellick, executive producer of the Sid Rosenberg and Friends show. To pain compliance because he defied what I had said would take place. Not from a sports point of view on the gridiron. The nation is consumed by its national pastime now with, without doubt, its American smash mouth football. It has surpassed baseball, basketball, all other sports combined. It is a country that has an insatiable appetite to watch American Smash Mouth football, and with the advent of legal gambling, gamble on it. So I believe it was back in November 6th that at Philadelphia Eagles home stadium, which Justin Ellick has been to many times, in fact, it's last week in advance of the playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was festooned. With green eagle paraphernalia, he looked like a leprechaun walking around here, a Jewish leprechaun, if they even have it. And he and Sid Rosenberg were saying to me, no, no, the curse of George Norcross, it will not continue. 
the Buccaneers are a horrible team. And they are. I said this has nothing to do with the abilities or the lack of abilities of the Philadelphia Eagles, who were in the Super Bowl last year, have a Super Bowl team. But rather, it's because the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, a self-hating Jew, decided on that day to order his security thugs to remove George Norcross, another proud Jew from his executive box that he has at the home stadium for the Philadelphia Eagles. For what indiscretion? Was he drinking too much? No. Was he loud and abrasive? No. He had the Coulions, the Webos, to fly a small American flag next to an Israeli flag right outside of his box. How dare they do that? The only banner permitted here is a Black Lives Matter banner, which now translates to the predominantly black football players' big, large mansions. And he got dragged out in front of Shavu. El Jefe, Chris Christie, who now, after removing himself from the Republican race for president, will be sent to SeaWorld to entertain the crowds as Orca, the killer whale, who was unable to kill. He was there, you know, cheering on his beloved uh, Dallas Cowboys of Jerry Jones. But he was in the box of George Norcross, big marker. I've, I've had my words with him. Uh, both he and Bobby Menendez basically were the... The criminal element that ran the Democratic Party in uh, New Jersey, Menendez up north. Hey, did you notice? Uh, did you notice, uh, Noam Laden, that uh, all of a sudden the crook Bobby Menendez wants to separate his trial from his crooked wife's trial uh, before the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District? They want separate trials. Separate trials. Of course, Noam Laden isn't listening. He's. I am. No, I was oh, listening. Oh, excuse me. I thought you were staring at your navel. <laughs> no. <laughs> So I any, was doing both things at the same time. Anyway, as you know, I've hated George Norcross. He was the power, the Democratic boss in Camden County, Southern Jersey, part owner of the Philadelphia Inquirer, would spend a lot of time in Mar-a-Lago, although he's a hardcore Democrat. His brother Donald is a congressman. And I said on that day, the day after, that the curse of George Norcross and the state of Israel would be upon the Philadelphia Eagles and they crashed and burned. Did they not, Justin Ellick? Yeah, they crashed and burned. And then you and Sid were saying, no way. Uh-huh. No way. Yeah. No way are they going to lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? I thought that to be the case. Okay. So now <laughs> this is what you have to do. Uh, you're obviously too old to go back to Solomon Schechter. Like, thank God, uh, yeah. Sid Rosenberg's parents grabbed him out of poly prep to day school. Oh, my God. I went to public school, but that's okay. Good. Okay. But uh, yeah, we can't send you to Solomon Check the, the, um, the um, no. shul, no. the yeshiva. So I'm suggesting this, Noam Laden, because I saw this done myself. In fact, by one of the greatest uh, broadcasters in this business of ours, rated the ninth greatest of all time, Barry Farber. Barry Farber was a Jew from the South, from North Carolina, Greensboro. Now, it was tough being a Jew up North, correct, Noam Laden, in Trenton, New Jersey, where you're from? It was not easy, no. But could you imagine being a Jew down in Greensboro, North Carolina, going into the backwoods and selling Israel bonds to support the burgeoning state of Israel? You know what that was like for Barry Farber going to backwoods of Pennsylvania and try to sell Israel bonds mm-hmm. to maintain Israel 
uh, David Ben-Gurion actually began it all in Madison Square Garden, came over. They raised $50 million in 1951 because the state of Israel was constantly under siege by its enemies. And that's what you're going to have to do, and I want you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I want you to go to all the Philadelphia Eagle fan clubs, all which right. there are many, Okay. all throughout eastern Pennsylvania. It's like a cult. How am I going to do that? Well, you look, there's contacts. It's it's okay. called social networking. They have Facebook. So this is a long homework. This will take me a while. Wait, yeah. you have to sell bonds to the yeah, Eagles fans? Is that what you want to sell bonds? I'm selling Israel bonds. bonds. Israel bonds. Right. I guess I was wrong. I'm sure they're worth a lot. So. <laughs> wait a second. Hey, wait a second. You should take a menorah and impale yourself, no, lady. But. It is a way, just like uh, Sid and friends uh, is taking the show for four days to Israel. I've been there three times. I broadcast right after the second intifada when nobody went. No Jews went from America, I can assure you of that. Only the evangelicals went because they love the state of Israel. But that's going to be your assignment. And you're going to do it in honor of David Ben-Gurion, who is only five foot tall. Can you imagine this? And I remember in one of my trips to Israel in the Negev Desert. By the way, you know what's in the Negev Desert there, uh, uh, Noam Lady? Yes, there's a university named after Ben-Gurion. Uh, no, there's a chocolate factory with 80 nuclear what? warheads. Wrong again, Noam. <laughs> <laughs> aimed at all their uh, enemies in Daimona. And there was a time when JFK confronted David Ben-Gurion and said, I hear you're developing nuclear weapons. Stop. And he goes, oh, and you're going to prevent another Holocaust? And they had heated words, heated words. But this man who lived simply on a kibbutz, I was in his house. I mean, you talk, you think I live uh, feebly, right, 100, uh, 300 uh, square feet with cats and Nancy on the upper west side. This guy, little simple house in the Negev Desert in a kibbutz. You're going to do this in honor of Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, a socialist, I might add. And Noam Laden, you're going to assist him through the state of New Jersey. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait. We call those fair-weathered uh, friends, you know, the Jews who claim they support Israel. They could buy an Israeli bond. That doesn't help the war effort. That just helps the economy there and keep it stable while they're at war. Can we, can we agree to do that as as per... I mean, just think of me as, as the priest... You're in the confessional. You've confessed that you were wrong about the curse of George Norcross, the Philadelphia Eagles. There has to be. I can't give you. I can't say to you, do, uh, you know, 100 Our Fathers and 1,000 Hail Marys because you wouldn't know what the hell I'm talking about. You haven't read the Torah or the Talmud. You haven't davened. I got permits for the Torah for that. Does it matter? I don't want you to drop your drawers and prove to me that the Moyo, you know, used to get zoo knife on you while blindfolded. You ever notice how the Moyo shakes? Why the hell would you let this guy who's shaking like a leaf... Cut off the foreskin of your sons uh-huh. or your grandsons. Okay. I don't want that to happen again to you. <laughs> I just want you and Noam, in the honor of Barry Farber, to go out there. You know him in Sussex, okay. western New Jersey, with all the hillbillies out there. And you, to all the Philadelphia Eagle fans in their base, and sell Israel bonds. <laughs> I'm going to go with a bulletproof vest. (laughs) Oh, you're so weak. Anyway, this hour, oh, more than ever, you need to listen to this. Sponsored by Pete Morgan. 
and the peerlessboilers.go to peerlessboilers.com. Oh, I like that one. Whoever wrote that one. No, it's a period. It's punctuation. So you say, then it's a period. So that's the end of the sentence. And then you just say, go, go to peerlessboilers.com. Well, see, Jews, they think they know it all, right? You think you're the chosen people that you know everything, right? Or paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. <laughs>